The Fighting Films podcast discusses films ranging from G to NC-17 rated. The three hosts discussing these films are adults who will not hold back from using bad or explicit language at times. With that in mind, this show is not censored, so please listen at your own fucking risk. Hey everybody, welcome to Fighting Films, a podcast where us three friends pit two films against one another that are similar to us in some way. Maybe they have very similar plots, maybe they share directors and themes, maybe they're an adaptation of a famous novel, or maybe there's just something personal for one of us or all of us. Either way, the discussion will be fun, so let's get those films fighting. This episode is one of our director spotlights, being done for the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris, and with me is the entire Neighborhood Watch Association, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Stefan. I'm the show creator, stat person, fun fact generator, and critical aggregate. And also... I'm Jess. I do basically all the social media stuff that reaches out to all of you. I, you know, do some background stuff, too. I manage these guys and try to keep us on track. So uh, you can find us on um, Patreon. We've got three tiers um, for now. We, we will check all that for later. One dollar or more. Uh, we do have our featherweight um, tier, <laughs> and it allows you to get uh, just some early access to our show. So, you know, get in a couple days before other people, you know, make fun of your friends for not being a Patreon. Nah, 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 boo, boo. Um, anyway, you get to hear us before everyone else does. And then the $5 tier, um, you also get you get the early access. You also get some behind-the-scenes content, the welterweight tier. You also get a specialty shout-out by us. And then if you throw $10 a month at us, we will give you our undying love. We will love you forever. But you also get the early content, the... Uh, kind of behind the scenes content just you know when we talk about random things before or after the show or bloopers or pretty much anything else you do get the patron shout out but you do also get an one episode theme choice so you pick the theme we choose the movies and we'll have a grand old time a grand we will time. speaking of loving our patrons um, one of these films is a love story. Stefan, which two films are we talking about this week? We are talking about uh, Edgar Wright's masterpieces, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Oh, man. I, I've, I've been looking forward to this one. These are mm-hmm. these are just two phenomenal movies. Um, what a, Outside of Edgar Wright, what, what makes these two movies alike, guys? Well, they are the first two entries in Edgar. Uh, they are the first two entries in Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, based off the ice cream brand, and we'll we'll get to uh, kind of what that means when we discuss each entry. They both star uh, Simon Pegg and oh. uh, yeah, Simon Pegg and mm-hmm. Nick Frost. Yes, and um, in in a range of other B-list, not B-list, but, you know, ca- characters in the background that seem yep. to jump between all of Edgar Wright's movies, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and, basically you know, the whole collection of actors you're gonna find in any british movie pretty much yes mm-hmm. oh yes yes, yes. Harry he surrounds Potter, himself lord of the rings Yep. All that jazz. Mm-hmm. Were they were they in Doctor Who? They're in this. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Work. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they were married to someone who was in it. There's probably a six degrees of separation we could do with. Oh, oh man, there is six degrees for sure. of separation between everybody. True. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, and another thing, you know, I, I found a through line in the at least the three Cornetto movies, um, but in a lot of Edgar Wright's work, is they're often about. Um, uh, I'd say they center around different versions of, and, and I won't even call it negative male toxicity as much as it is just like male, you know, like you can have the nerdy version of like male testosterone, like, like Sean, you know what I mean? Just kind of like a loser. And then you've got the other opposite end of the spectrum, the Simon Pegg character, who's like super cop, you know what I mean? And needs to hone it down. And there's always this through who can't be stopped. Right. There's Mm -hmm. always this through line of like a a guy learning something about, or a group of guys learning something about themselves and how their attitude is negatively affecting the world around them and their life. And it's always very interesting because it's very introspective. I feel like he, he doesn't usually, you know, the characters are, are never both um, celebrated or completely written off for being murky and like troublesome. And I, and I always find that really interesting about him, that they it, there's kind of a realism to the fantasy. And I've always enjoyed that about both of these movies. Yeah, I, I really enjoy um, Edgar Wright as a director, uh, just overall, even when he did, you know, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world like that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a really great one. It's got a great cast. It's got a lot of fun, like action, you know, um, action cuts in it. You, I would say, um, where like, it doesn't necessarily need to be. And that's, that's one of the things I find really fun in this, in actually the Cornetto trilogy and Edgar Wright being the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lot, lots of fun cute and clever editing and in-camera effects and music cues tons which i can't wait to get to so yeah. with that um movie number one Shaun of the dead let's go yeah so Shaun of the dead is from 2004 the first in the first in the cornetto trilogy and so basically when we were reference the cornetto trilogy it's this hot fuzz and the world's end. We've already discussed the world's end. Uh, and they each have a different color ice cream that makes an appearance. <laughs> In this one, it is red, the strawberry flavor. Got a bit of red on you. Yeah. I got, I got, got red you. on you, Steph. Yeah. Which symbolizes obviously blood. In this case, uh, for zombies, because there's lots of blood in zombie movies, you don't say. <laughs> No yep. way. Wait right. a minute. Is no this a way. horror movie? Uh, mm, comedy <laughs> horror. Yeah. I think it's a zombie. 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 Yep. Trademark term. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding that to the beginning right now along with the yeah. checkup. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie opens with, um, obvi- you know, the a montage of people in, you know, service industry workers, you know, going through their, their day-to-day lives. You know, the people that are now... Uh, in the U.S., thankfully, 
you know, not working was, you know, you hear about all these, you know, minimum wage jobs that are having trouble finding people, you know, because now they're realizing they can, you know, get paid more with the unemployment bonus. So yep. whatever, you know, it's, blah, it's blah, blah. yeah, it's, you know, raise the minimum wage. So we cut to uh, Sean and his girlfriend, Liz. I'm going to go in and out with the British accent throughout. You kind of uh, have to. Yeah. Sean and Liz and Liz is not Rossman Pike, Chris. Nope. Yeah, remember a cut throwback to um the world's end. Womp womp. <laughs> womp womp. Uh the the Lucy Davis plays her. Yep. And then um Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg plays Sean. And so they're at the uh their favorite establishment, or at least uh Sean's favorite, the uh Winchester pub, uh, along with Ed, who's Sean's roommate, played by uh Nick Frost, who I just think is I think he's adorable. I love him. He really is. Nick, he is. Nick he's, he's such, is everybody's best friend. He's such a bear. He's such an adorable little bear. Okay, um, but have you guys seen him in Kinky Boots? Yes. Yes. So, so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Like, oh, just just tugging at the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to get, get Frost and Jack Black in a movie together of, like, the two guys that should easily be typecast into fat guy falls and you laugh roles that are so much better than that. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and actually talking about fat guy falls, we're going to check off that for later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Movie has them. They both do. Both of them do the exact yes. same scene actually. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so uh they're at the winchester pub in addition to i guess yeah they're not sean's friends they're liz's friends david and diane and uh so you know uh sean and liz are having you know serious conversation about their relationship and you know liz is they feel liz feels like they're at a major standstill I mean, it should be a major sign that they've been together three years and Liz has never met Sean's mom. Yikes. Like, are you kidding me? And it's not like they live, you know, far away. I mean, I even when I was, you know, with my ex as long term as as uh, as distance wise as we were, you know, he still met my parents on one occasion. And Sean's we were to, mom yeah. is the sweetest lady. We're, we're going to get to her. I put like, that in my notes, she too. Makes me yes. so happy. Um, yes. Girl, that is some red flags right there. Speak, speaking yes. of earlier, a callback to us talking about Edgar Wright's incredible editing skills um, in these mm-hmm. films. This scene, it's not that I don't like your friends. Dan and Liz, it's not that I don't like you. <laughs> the camera cuts and they're just sitting right they're there. Just sitting right there. I yep. love it. Yeah. So, um, uh, Ed, uh, and I love, I put in here, I love, I always associate this movie, the word exacerbate. <laughs> this movie, I first heard that word. Uh, one of my favorite Nickelodeon shows ever, Hey Arnold. Woohoo! Love that show. Speaking of which, I've, um, I mentioned if we ever want to do like a TV month, I would love to do Doug versus Hey Arnold, but we oh, can that discuss that later. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, there was an episode of Hey Arnold where they go to a restaurant and they lose the check. So uh, Helga's like to her friend, like, just order more food. I'll figure out a plan. And her friend's like, isn't that just exacerbating the problem? So that's where I first heard that word. I was associated with that and this movie. It means to make worse. To make worse. Oh, I, 
Yep. And uh, two or three times that they have to define it for people. It always reminded me the um, serious. (laughs) Surely you can't be serious. No, I am serious. My name's not Shirley. It always reminds me of that. Um, My grandma's name was Shirley. mm, Nice. So uh, Ed and Sean are roommates, as I said, and they and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were actually roommates in real life for many years. So they base a lot of this off of uh, that. And uh, they have a roommate, Pete, that, you know, was kind of like an uptight, uh, a bloke, I guess, as you could say in British slang. And he hates, he hates Ed. Just so much thinks, you know, he's lazy, you know, doesn't work. Plays video games all day. Yep. Freeloader. The door was open again. I'm not saying that it was Ed. Right, just all that crap. <laughs> so we, um, it's the next day, and so we go to Sean at work, and he is a uh, senior. I'm putting senior in quotes because <laughs> it's more about age. A senior staff member at, I guess it's like an electronics store, like a Radio Shack type place or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing the, the team meeting. And, you know, this is this whole, like, you know, if you've worked, well, in any kind of retail or office setting, the motivational team meeting, as we discussed in um, uh, last week's uh, with waiting, uh, where, you know, the whole, there's no I in team. But by the way, there there is a me in team, which I've never understood. You got to rearrange the letters around, but it's there. It's there. Um, but there is an I in pie which is meat pie, which is team backwards. It's like, oh my God, just, just stop talking. Stop His talking. delivery on that is perfection. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, just n- nice try, but yeah. Um, so we, uh, uh, then Sean hears from, so he, uh, yeah, he, you know, uh, is in contact with Liz, uh, throughout the day and we hear about we are introduced uh oh yeah so sean's stepfather comes to the store that's right right oh, does he yeah. stop or we just hear about him no he's there oh yeah he's oh yeah yeah that's right he's there he's standing there yeah uh phil who sean just he's been a stepfather since he was 12 and sean just does not like him doesn't like him phil and he is my that guy his name his name his name is bill nye He's so good. He's been uh, in, yeah, so many of Edgar Wright's movies, all three of the Cornetto trilogy, actually. Uh, again, as you mentioned before, Jess, he's one of those British people that's just in, like, any anything oh, yeah. British, pretty much. You recognize yeah. him. And uh, we'll check on him for later as uh, he'll have an important part in a movie in about a month. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. He was also um, one of my favorite things in a couple of films that I don't like as much as I like the character. He was um, Davy Jones. In the Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. I forgot about that. And I didn't realize that a large majority of that was his performance. Um, mm-hmm. granted the, the, the tentacles and everything are, are a digital effect, but he, he did the, makeup um, was amazing. yeah, mm-hmm. he, 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 the makeup was incredible. And a lot of, a lot of that was actually him with prosthetics and it's just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. insanity. Yeah. I'm going through his filmography to see some, any other things. It's pretty fantastic. Remember, yeah, he's been in, 
yeah, just a ton, a ton of stuff. It'll take way too long to go through all that. No, but, and, and, and yeah. since I've confused it before, it's Bill Nahi, not Bill Nye. Nye. I didn't know I how to pronounce that. Yeah. Guy? No, I know. Yeah, I <laughs> no, no, was trying no, not I to confuse that. that. I Nye. did that the first yeah. time I was introduced to him. I was like, Davy Jones was the science guy? No, 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 no. Bill Nye, <laughs> the Shaun of yep. the Dead guy. Oh, all right. To my knowledge, he does not wear bow ties. No, I mean, at least not in these movies. So we get, um, uh, so he informs Sean that he forgot uh, flowers for Mother's Day this year. Big, big, big no-no, big no-no. I've learned that the hard way, forgetting Mother's Day, trust me. Not, not fun, not fun. So then uh, Liz calls him at work, which it's always like, you know, I'm like, you know, don't call me at work, at least the work line, unless if it's going to be a major emergency. Mm-hmm. And I guess in this case, she thought it was. Uh, he did not make dinner reservations at the the place where they have fish. <laughs> and if you look in the phone book when he calls, what's, what's a phone book? I know. What the hell is a phone book? Um, <laughs> he looks in the phone book and it literally says the place where they serve fish. It's if so you pause good. it, literally it's does. So the, good. The trivia for this. That- for, what? Sorry, Sorry. Now that we're here in uh, 2021, I actually use uh, whitepages.com yep. and pay $5 a month for the information on whitepages.com. That's nice to know they're still in business. Well, it just it's crazy when you used to think they would drop off a white mm-hmm. page with yellow pages at your door to right. very thick, very heavy books mm-hmm. that were often used as booster seats <laughs> yeah. right. at your house like what every year like mm-hmm. oh, it's crazy yeah. so then uh uh you know sean tries to figure things out and we notice in the background there's a lot of things that are going on you know people are acting weird and you know we hear sirens back and forth it kind of it kind of took me back to the early days of the pandemic, not going to lie. Yeah, it really did. You Watching know, I, it now was was very different experience. I will never forget a few days before our office closed down, I was walking to the light rail and they had removed or they were removing the furniture out of Starbucks. Mm. And I'm just like, and that was the moment I think I realized I'm like, okay, this is, this is getting Whoa. real. This is getting real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, now we're not, we don't have to sit apart from each other. We don't have to separate tables at restaurants now anymore. Woohoo. Um, I've been watching uh, the more recent season of Catfish, and it's crazy because they're going through the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like a year later than we're at right now. Right. And they're showing like the streets of LA that are completely bare. Yeah. And it's like LA. LA, like, yeah. Then still, like that's nuts. No. I hear you. So then um, uh, lit, uh, when he calls Liz and says that he can't get he can't get a reservation and she promptly uh, breaks up with him over the phone. And of course, David and Diane are there and she refers to her friends as a failed actress and a twat. <laughs> and by the way, the twat in this case is the man. It can also refer to men too, so I mean, it's what makes chill out so great. Yeah. Chill out. Yes. And yeah, he he was pretty much. Um no, so, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um he is. Sean and Ed go to the Winchester 
and get drunk and you know just just uh just like each you know just like each other you know they just like you this is another movie with great chemistry i mean peg and frost were friends for years of course mm-hmm. beforehand but you can just i mean and, and that it translated on screen so well like there, you just i was gonna say they're definitely one of the uh great movie duos yes of our time. Mm-hmm. for sure i would say right up there with uh Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. You really, oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, and I love the part when you see the guy walking and then they, they do like, they, they're drunk and they're like the, that, that moment, seeing that in the trailer. Oh, so I forget. I first, um, I first saw this movie. I just rented it from Video Vision. Nothing really too excited, exciting. But it was after watching that scene in the trailer. I'm like, okay, like that moment sealed it. I'm like, I want to see this movie. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of British comedy at the time, but I'm like, okay, this looks cool. I like zombie movies. Uh, Dawn of the Dead had just come out, so I'm like, okay, this looks good. I want to watch it, and was not disappointed, of course. Uh, and so they go home, have an encounter with, um, Pete, you know, who Pete is just, again, just a piece of shit. Pete, uh, crashes there. I guess we could call it an after party (laughs) and a complete with the record scratch. A record scratching is one of the funniest sounds ever. Like I can listen to it randomly and I will just burst out laughing like an immature child. It, it, it. Always thinks you have I don't agree. It makes me cringe. I uh, listen, really? I used to listen to records, so when I hear that, I just think of damage to the record, and I'm like, oh, oh, no. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So, um, and he and Pete tells Pete says that uh. Ed should go and live in it, the shed outside, which we're going to check off on that for later. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, much later in the movie, actually. So, and I love uh, Sean's, like, like to-do list. It was like, get Liz back, like, just his to-do list the next day oh, that he was writing fantastic. out. It was, yep. was it visit mom, get Liz back, stop smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, goals, goals. Um, yeah, so uh, Sean does his morning commute, like what we saw before. He goes to the convenience store, this time picks up the Cornetto uh, red strawberry flavor, the cameo in the movie, and actually... Edgar Wright said he got the idea for this series, for specifically this movie and later on the series, because he, like Sean, used Cornetto ice cream as a hangover treatment for after oh. night party. Yep. Mm-hmm. This that's the this origin of that single shot here. It's great. One of the best things in the movie. Complete oh, it is. With, yeah. Complete with the like radio and TV blips. Mm-hmm. And what what I thought was cool is all of the things they used that they never fully say and they just cut in this were all of the random um, explanations that they tried to give in the original Night of the Living Dead movies from George Romero. The, it could be a satellite. It could be this. It could. Mm-hmm. Be, and I thought that was really cool. Um, there's an amazing thing where Nick Frost and Simon Pegg got to be zombies in Land of the Dead. 
the yep. George Romero film. Yep. And Romero, when they showed up to set to film their cameo, had a great big button on his shirt that said, I inspired Shaun of the Dead. And the two of them, like, started dying. They were like, no, no, you're our hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so... uh you know, kind of we see Sean is already kind of a zombie in a way, yep. even though he's not infected. And so he uh, he just, you know, again, goes. Uh, he makes it he goes back uh, back home and you get the convenient uh, the channel surfing. So good at this point. Convenient channel surfing is convenient, is what I wrote in notes. My notes, <laughs> uh, you know, they each like, you know, it's the staple of a movie, the cliche where it's like, you know, they explain the story, and you know, each sentence like picks up. It's like, you know, we have reports of zombies. In fact, you know, are roaming the k- streets are teeming right now with, you know, the undead. You know, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, I'd love for that to happen in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an overdone thing, but it works. It's funny. And so uh, then outside is a zombie has appeared and it's the woman from the montage at the beginning that was working the cashier mm-hmm. at the supermarket. Yep. And this is the point where I always associate this with uh, Scream 4. It's a scene they watch in the movie. Oh, right. Yep. Where they're at, uh, they're, they're, uh, where Jill is with Kirby and she's, um, you know, then the killer calls them. Oh God, I can't wait for the new one. I'm January 15th. Come on, get here. Oh yeah. yeah. I finally wore my, my shirt. As you saw, Jess, I wore it for three yeah. days. So yeah, I don't got to wait till I'm so glad it still fits after this last year. <laughs> Makes me happy. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So so then uh, we they push her and she is impaled on a pipe sticking up, which oh. that to me, that to me is my biggest fear. I am always terrified of getting impaled on random shit like everywhere. <laughs> Horror movies, especially Final Destination, they've always I, I anticipate like if I see a glass that looks like it's about to spill, I'll move it over, you know, or spill on an electronic device. I'm like, oh, move, move it off. You know, I can see that happening. You know, I always like I'm more I'm more, you know, on ear to the ground, you know, definitely because of those movies. Uh, oh, are you kidding me? I, I will not drive anywhere near a logging truck. I, I, I have to speed oh, around it. Yeah. No. Oh, a- absolutely. Absolutely not. No, yep. never, never. Because even though they don't bounce like basketballs, they're still dangerous. Oh, it's horrifying. We've all seen, we've all seen the movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, so then uh, we they more more zombies appear and they they have to you know b- uh, bash them in the head and they just take they like they take everything but the kitchen sink basically <laughs> from the house and just start like pelting them with like you know spoons like like a toe and not hard things and then they bring out the uh uh, vinyl. <laughs> were you were you sensitive to the scene, Jess, with you know how you felt about scratching records? Um, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. the the record scratch catches me off guard usually, and it just makes me cringe. Like, I don't even mind nails on a chalkboard, but a record scratch, I will cringe. Mm-hmm. But if they're actively opening up records and throwing them, 
that's you know their will that they are doing i felt their pain i i loved that they were calling it out and being like no no no, no you can't throw that one that's an original <laughs> batman soundtrack throw it <laughs> dire straits all right fine <laughs> right yeah, I, I would not even know how to play a record. If you handed one to me, I would probably scratch it. So, nope, nope. I, I, I do not get the um, whole vinyl comeback thing, although I was tempted to get the Britney Spears one that you saw in that picture. You should From Target, I know. You can I know. get a frame for it if you're not going to play it. Like True. No, True. but I, uh, I'm in this uh, weird secondhand finds that should be shared group, and this woman found, I want to say, like a phonograph or something, and she put a record on the play, and she put the needle on in the oh, wrong no. spot. Uh, oh, no. So, so it was playing weird, and it had a lot of static, and she's like, oh, I kind of thought it would have sounded better since people are so... <laughs> since people are so, you know, oh, so much about oh. vinyl and... Oh. There were a couple of people that were like, uh, no, the needle goes on the other side, honey. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. yeah. And she's like, oh, it sounds much better now. Yeah. No if, you, if, you do it, if you do it right, it sounds amazing. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that's kind of the whole thing about the resurgence of vinyl is that it sounds way better than uh, cassette, eight track, CD anything that has been since it, mm -hmm. it all depends it all depends on what the music was made for True. Like, vinyl will always be a better sound because it was etched via sound exactly so if, so if it was recorded that way it was recorded to sound the best on there I, my, my uncle sure. my uncle um used to always play some of the biggest offenders of bad digital conversions from vinyl are every Led Zeppelin album. And if you listen to a Led Zeppelin song on vinyl, you hear like, you know, the, the picks and the fingers sliding on the, and it's just so, and like when you listen to a digital, it, it just loses all of that. Anyway, I digress. I, I definitely <laughs> am not part of the, Oh, everything has to be on vinyl, but I get it. I yeah I I could care le I couldn't care less honestly, but that's just me. So they uh, Sean and Ed head back inside uh, to formulate a they they call Barbara, who's We're Sean's coming mom. Coming to get you, Barbara. Yep, Night of the Living Dead reference right there. And uh, Romero, I guess, didn't catch that. That's the first so time around. Funny. It's amazing how people, you know, we associate like these, you know, famous things and pop culture moments they create that they're going to automatically know it. Like Richard Dreyfus didn't know he was in a movie where they later said, like, you're going to need a bigger boat, like where they where right. they referenced that years later on after Jaws. And he didn't know. And he he's the character says, I don't know what that's from. And he actually didn't know that in, re in real life when they were recording. And it's like, really? I mean, that's funny. Well, yeah, I, I mean, most of the time when they're making a movie, they don't know what's going to be big and what's going <sighs> to catch on. And true, true. Whatever. Like and, my partner um, with this movie, every once in a while, he'll say, well, fuck a doodle do. <laughs> and most people don't know that it's from this movie, Shaun oh, of the Dead. So right. good. And like, I even I even called him out. I'm like, do you even know what that movie, what movie that's from? He's like, uh, no. I'm like, no, no not allowed to use it. No, exactly. <laughs> um, God, imagine. Yeah, like I remember, imagine I remember, you know, when we saw David, when we saw David Arquette, how like he, um, uh, 
you know, he didn't because I always assume that actors like know, you know, they they have like an encyclopedic memory for everything they do in no. film. Like they can remember that. And it's like, no, I mean, granted, you know, he was maybe out of it for some of it. I mean, God, Matthew Perry has admitted he doesn't remember years of filming Friends because he was high on pills. Um, insane. I know it's just that's so odd to me. I mean, I, I have I have a photographic memory for stuff like that, but most you people don't. You have a don't. photographic memory for everything. I mean, yeah. a lot, but I have a selective, yeah. I have a selective memory. I guess, I guess that, what it yeah. really comes down to is the amount of takes they have to do, right? Like, you know, in, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, there were no hashtags around for people to get, you know, I mean, like we didn't yeah. have, you know, um, like the internet writing dialogue to get put into a movie for Samuel L. Jackson to say, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, some Make-A-Wish kid saying, oh, you should say that you know him from work. Yes, yes. You know, and that's a great little story. But, you know, when you're filming a movie and you just have a one-off line like, oh, you're going to need a bigger boat. You know, you don't know right. that that's going to be a big thing. It's just like you're hunting a shark. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> right. I find it amazing in interviews how many actors have not seen the films they've made. Oh, that's like common. In, in a finished mm -hmm. format. That that's always common. blows my mind. It's mm -hmm. like, wow. That... I mean, if they don't have big egos, you know. Well, yeah, it's just, I mean, I guess, like, right, it, you know, it's just it's... not something you think about. Right. It's... Well, and a lot of them just don't like to watch themselves. Right. True. It's a product. Very true. So we find out they call when they call uh, Barbara, we find out that Philip has been bitten. They were a bit. They were bite. Right. And <laughs> just got Philip. Oh, right. Whatever. Whatever. I, I love <laughs> even even that just, Ed. Oh, Ed whatever. Yeah. yeah. Just, just Philip. Oh, yeah. I love how the, mu the music like just drops off at that point. It's it's great. <laughs> so funny. So then we get the. My, one of my favorite moments of the movie is the um, the planning montages where they're like, okay, we'll hop in the car, we'll go get mum, get Liz, <laughs> kill, and it always ends with them, kill, kill Philip, go to the Winchester, and, you know, wait right, till Philip. help arrives. Yeah, yeah, and uh, sorry, Philip. <laughs> Don't forget to kill Philip. Yeah. <laughs> and this this editing here is just great. Edgar Wright, like the close-ups on everything, it's... um. Very much his uh, trademark. Oh, yeah. With everything. Yeah, uh, action cuts. Yeah. And before they leave, uh, we see uh, Pete is in the shower. And I love how Sean is more scared that Pete is naked than that he's a zombie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, slow-moving zombies, I'd be like, you know, eh, you know, all right, bye. <laughs> I mean, one, one, one single slow-moving zombie. Let me rephrase that. Not yeah. a whole pack coming that, at me. That, that's what I love about slow-moving zombies. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's, it, you know, I like that the films like Twenty Eight Days Later and the remake of Dawn of the Dead introduced the the fear of more rage-infested fast-moving zombies because that's mm -hmm. a different fear, right? right? So that's cool. But I I love the idea of it's a slow creeping like you might be okay for quite some time like they could go in the winchester and hang there but eventually mm -hmm. enough of them are going to show up that they're going to break in and it's right. just like oh this is awesome yep check off on that for later yep. Yep, so yep. uh they they go to sean's and sean's mom i want to say mom i was looking for that it's word me, mom. mom yep sean's mom's house and yeah she is adorable 
she calls him pickle just oh it's just i, I love i love this woman i just want to so oh, i love her and why why did you not introduce liz to her sooner sean seriously it's totally philip he just hates yeah <laughs> yeah so phil has been bitten but they still take him with the <laughs> with philip philip yeah philip you twit whatever <laughs> so, yeah and so they um they take him with which i would be like yeah no i'd like i, I would be like hard no you have to he's infected no but you know sean's sweet you know he respects his him he respects him for the sake of his mom well mom won't go without him true but exactly mom, that's not your husband Yep. <laughs> Sean, I know you He's two have had your right difference. there. differences. No, it's really not anymore. <laughs> and so so they they drive over to to lit to um well I guess yeah, it's uh it's Diane and David's. Okay, flat. I need to interject real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ed <laughs> Ed, we we need to talk about Ed, mm-hmm. who who is a lovable buffoon. buffoon. Yes. Yes. Um, he, um, accidentally crashes John's car because he's always wanted to drive Phillips, what was it, a Jaguar? Jaguar. Jaguar. After after weaseling his way into driving Peter's car because he always wanted to drive Peter's car. Right. Yeah. So, um, basically... Ed, throughout this movie, if you haven't seen it, you should have by now. Um, but spoiler alert, Ed is very self-serving. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's very, you know, for um, throwback to the world's end, he's very much like uh, Simon Pegg's character. They, 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 switch, they switch characters in that movie. Yes. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that, like I said earlier, that's what I love about these is they – you're able to have a character like Ed who we can watch as viewers and go, man, I love Ed and still be able to go, but there's a lot wrong with Ed and he's going to have to learn some yeah. shit. And, oh, yeah. I, and, I, and I like that about what Edgar Wright does. He's not afraid to, he's not afraid to make the people that you love also have faults. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that, sure. that is one of the things I loved about world's end is oh, that they harsh. did do a complete 180. Yeah. And, it worked so well. Like, yeah. They just, they did basically that self-serving buffoon their own way. And I mean, it just, it was so great. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I love, um, I love how Sean gets out of the car cause they won't, they won't open up the doors. For him, because the child, the child locks. <laughs> yeah, that's just how he just nonchalantly just shimmies out of the sunroof and is like, "Yeah, yep. I'm going." Which uh, one of my bucket list goals is to, you know, be in a limo and like get out, you know, like stand up out of the sunroof. I want to okay, do that before but I nobody's die. Nobody's gonna be as elegant as uh, Lisa Kudrow in Romeo and Michelle's high school oh reunion. Oh my god, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. So but we digress. Yes. Yes. So um I didn't understand this line. So they need, you know, another car or a bigger car. And David is like, you know, I'm not I live in London, you know, I'm not I don't drive, which you know is very legit. And then yep. Diane says, Yes, I have one. Oh no, wait. I passed my test. 
I didn't understand that. So was she borrowing a car for driver's ed or something? What? I don't know what that maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. Oh, right. I don't. I, I had to look at the subtitles to see what she was saying. I thought it was no. like, passed my test. No, no, I'm I like, think, that I think you're right. Is it's yeah, she, she must have been borrowing a car. I so guess. Like, right. Oh, that, yeah. Because then, right. Why would because she's probably in London, too. Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, they are in London, so that they probably neither of them want one. But it's like, well, I still had to get the license. So, yeah, that's a weird flub I, I on think her part. With this character, um, she might have gotten confused in saying in asking who can drive versus who uh, has a car. Um, true. And so I can I can see the confusion there. Um, and so like in saying, oh, who can drive? OK, instead of who has a car. That's very true. Whereas that's, that's you know, a legit I, point. And this character is a little um, flighty, ditzy, to put yeah. it nicely. Mm -hmm. um, she she I can just I can see her just kind of head in the clouds being like, oh, I can drive like. I've got one. Wait, no, sorry. So mm -hmm. that that's that's legit. Yeah, that al that always confused me. I'm glad that we uh, unraveled that. And so, you know, if somebody out there listening has a better uh, take on it, let us know. Mm -hmm. Fighting so, pod at Gmail. Absolutely. So they uh, they they uh, try to cram in the car, but quickly. Philip has turned by this point. And he does have that wonderful right before turning um, father son thing with Sean that. Yes. This is one of the first times I've watched this movie since my dad passed. And God, mm. that's the other thing with Wright, man. This movie doesn't need that. And yet he puts it in there and it's like, ah. Oh. Like, dude, your writing and your actors are like, this is a zombie movie. And it has this awesome father-son <laughs> moment with the two of them that I just loved. Yeah, yeah, one thing I love about the Cornetto trilogy, in each one, there's a certain, like, specific, super heartfelt, tug-at-your-heartstrings moment. But it's not too much to take you out of the movie. Right, I agree. it serves the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they ditch him and the car. And uh, so this point there, they're going to walk to the Winchester and they encounter. This is another one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Sean's friend, Yvonne. Yes. And an identical group of uh, travelers, I guess you could say. And just how this uh, the, the banter, you know, the banter is great and how they just cross each other and everyone's like, mm -hmm. bye, bye, bye to each respective doppelganger, if you may, is probably the appropriate term. I thought they were saying hello. Like, or hello. Nice hello. 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 Nice to meet you. Yeah. I Did mean, you yeah. notice Ed's, Ed's doppelganger was wearing the exact same shirt as him? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've yep. got wood or whatever it is. And uh, one of the guys is, I guess, uh, Sean's doppelganger was played by Martin Freeman. Yes. yes. Uh, yep. Another. He was my second. Uh, that guy for and this he is movie. A friend of Simon Pegg and uh, mm -hmm. Nick Frost. Yep. He is also in yeah both other Cornetto trilogy movies. Uh, yeah, been in. 
tons of stuff. I will forever say, though, that he robbed Matt Bomer of the Emmy <laughs> yeah. for A Normal Heart, which, uh, yeah. Um, but the, the whole cast won a special Emmy for that movie, so I guess it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, and then we get here to the staple of the Cornetto trilogy, the fence jumping. So good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just, I, I wish I was physically fit enough to do that because it looks really cool. My favorite, and we'll, we'll 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 check it off or check off it for the next one is when they do hit it on fuss. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Haven't you ever heard of a shortcut? <laughs> and then, so at this point, I noticed Sean. Maybe this is well. I guess it was a few years before it, before it came up, but Sean looks like he's developing kind of a a faux hawk. Yeah. Midway through, you remember faux hawks? Yep. <laughs> I had one. Not ashamed to admit it, my mom hated it, hated, hated it so much. I thought it looked cute, but whatever. I like faux hogs. I, I did like, too. Yeah, I do too. I did too. I thought my they looked cool. My son was rocking one for a while, a couple of years ago, and he, he hated the upkeep, but he liked the look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine was more of like a pompadour because I had it a little longer. Yeah. So, yeah. So you then. The old Maynard James Keenan and do the mullet hawk. so then so we get to um this is another one of my favorite scenes in the movie uh they realize they have to blend in because there's you know larger hordes of the undead and diane this is actually a good idea you know for kind of as ditzy of a character as she was she nails Uh, this diane has the idea to blend in with the zombies and it's you know arms out moaning dead eyes with a hint of sadness uh and she tries to you know coach all of them and barbara nails it unintentionally sorry i was miles away dear. i was miles away dear i just oh uh, i i love just I, I i crack up at that part just you know um just the, the the dead the dead eyes and 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 it works it works you know they they you know you don't have to spread zombie guts all over yourself like in the walking dead which yeah chris you didn't get that far enough in the series where they I, did that i did actually oh, oh yeah you did that's right they do and it, that's right yeah i remember that okay never mind they, they did that pretty early on they did when they were in atlanta and then it rained yeah. and they were screwed yeah i remember yeah. that and I then that, that shitty little kid who wouldn't shut up oh god uh sophia or which no, 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 no. Sophia got to look at the flowers. No, the boy. No, that was, that was Lizzie. 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 Oh, I don't know. There's oh, no... oh, uh, not, not Coral. No, not Carl. It's Coral. Coral. It's Carl. Coral. Carl. <laughs> no, it was a boy, and they, oh, they were in the place with houses. They had houses. Hmm. And it's, the boy it's... who wouldn't shut up, and he had an older brother. Mm. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, so uh, so they arrive at the Winchester, and this, and then uh, David, ever resourceful, they can't, you know, get in right away, so he chucks a chair into the window. You know, ruining your hideout, seemingly. And yeah. so they, uh, Sean says he's going to distract them. So he just bolts, bolts right away. 
you know, we don't know what's going to happen to them. They manage to get in the bar, hold themselves up, and Sean sneaks back around and uh, uh, manages, you know, to lock. He's stuck in the back and locked the door. So they're seemingly safe, except for there's a couple zombies inside. And the jukebox comes on. Kill the queen! Yeah, and this... Uh, Oh, this, this, just like how the, the Queen song, Don't Stop Me Now. It's on random. They, and, and they're, they're literally beating the zombies to the rhythm. And something about that is so satisfying. It's just so satisfying to do that to the rhythm of a song, like to, you know, like punch. It takes me back to when I used to do Tybo. It's like, yeah, it takes me back to that. There's a flash from the 2000s. Don't stop me now. Having a good time. And the Winchester rifle is real. Yeah, I love Find that. that out. That was a plot point. Like, that's not a real rifle. So, I don't know why. Um, I got to jump in. Yes. Um, so some zombies start surrounding the Winchester. Yes. And my, that guy is in this scene. I am talking about a Mr. Chris Martin, front man of Coldplay. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. Oh, that's awesome. One of them is him and another bandmate um, got to be zombies for this film. And it's funny because uh, in the extra, like, scenes at the end credits they uh they talk about doing like a live aid concert for the zombies or something mm. but uh they also got to be zombies in the film and i guess uh chris martin and simon pegg are close friends and simon pegg is chris martin's daughter's godfather really? so yeah so chris martin is my that actor for this movie wasn't he married to gwyneth paltrow for yeah. a little while yeah, yeah. I was. And then, <laughs> then they did a conscious uncoupling. Right, right. And so uh, we notice when they're sitting around, uh, Barbara is scratching under her shirt. Oh, poor Barbara. Something's not right. And so we've uh, the zombies. Yeah, like you said, are surrounding the Winchester, and. Yeah, no, they, they break in through the windows after um, uh, Douchey uh, Boyfriend has his big speech. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, and we reveal that uh, Diane never liked him, that she was just there to pick up the pieces after Liz rejected, which another check off on that we're going to get to. That comes up later. And so uh, Barbara and Liz go off to talk and, you know, Diane, you know, Barbara's like, Sean's always talking about you. You know, it's great to finally meet you. And then she gives her a necklace saying this was, this belonged to Sean or Sean's real father gave this to me and I want you to have it. And Barbara reveals that she has been bitten. So sad. So sad. This was uh, just so, so sad. Another and one of those heartstring moments. Yes, especially when Sean finds out. And Simon Pegg apparently, to act convincingly in the scene, pictured Barbara as being his real mother. Yeah, because this, is when, this is when Fuckbag decides that he's going to try to shoot the mom. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so... This, this uh, I wrote in my notes, uh, Mexican standoff with bottles. 
Yes. Yeah. I love what this basically is. I love when um when the what's her name there comes in and so he breaks a bottle and hands it to her so she can hold it. <laughs> hands it to her, and they like switch. They like switch who they're holding it against. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um. I, I have no has like, you know, a lot of people, you know, couldn't shoot. I love it. My mom and I being, you know, the big Walking Dead fans that we are, we have had a conversation legitimately where like if we are ever in this situation and we're bitten, you know, like say, say our goodbyes, keep your distance then and blow my brains out. We have we have had this conversation before and horror movie fans have these conversations. Like, Jess, you and I have had similar conversations with what we're going to do, what we oh, do yeah. if, you know, we're in situations like if, you know, we're in, you know, trapped by a serial killer. I'm like, you know, if you can escape, just leave. Don't worry about me. You know, get help. Make sure this fucker is arrested, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think you were like, well, I would at least, you know, try to hide you and then go and get help. I'm like, don't even just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Well, like, if you're <laughs> hurt, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like if I mean, you're, if you're completely able-bodied, then I'm gonna trust you to get out on your own. Yeah, true. I regret true. nothing. <laughs> 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 and so, um, we so then, uh, Sean, you know, has to you know shoot his mother, which is really sad. And uh, at this point, uh. David, you know, is right by the window and they, oh yeah, this is where they get in because then they, they break through and pull up the twat. Yeah. (laughs) No, not Philip. What is his name? David. 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 And so they pull him out and this is another uh, Romero reference uh, from Day of the Dead. Yes. It's so good. How he is torn apart and it is brutal. It is, it's very brutal and his limbs get torn off including uh, his leg which diane leaves to uh uh to be you know beat the other zombies with literally uses it as a weapon and she actually as as per the special features on the dvd she survives because of this yep Mm -hmm. yep she uh, sorry sorry go ahead on diane yep so she she uh managed to climb up a tree and stay there and you know i guess you eat David's legs for sustenance, which it's like, I was just going to say that. That's another, another walking dead reference. You want to understand Chris <laughs> tainted meat. Um, yeah. And so, um, I actually got to jump in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so slowly over the last few years, I've been getting, acclimated to zombie movies, mm-hmm. but it's the whole, auto cannibalism part that gets to me like i can watch horror movies i can watch saw and all that but if somebody is being eaten alive that just oh that's Mm -hmm. that's what gets me and so this part where david is ripped limb from limb and they're Mm -hmm. biting him and you know the the ligaments and tendons are just you know stretching and snapping yeah <laughs> that's no that's it's my it's thing. um i they uh they had zombie pub crawl here in uh the twin cities in minnesota and i know they've done it you know around the country at different locations um and i thought i was okay to go but there was one point where i was riding the train and a uh, zombie clown got on 
and my body just actively started shaking without me crying. I was just like, I knew it was a guy in makeup, like in my head. I'm like, it's just a guy in makeup. It's all good. But my body is shaking and I had to call my partner and be like, I need you to talk to me for like the next five minutes until I get mm. off the train because I'm really, really nervous. Mm. And uh, and so yeah, zombies are not my jam. That's that's legit. No, that um, it, that's legit. I, I've always loved this 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 bit in this movie because, granted, the movie doesn't hold back from being being violent. It it it's a full on zombie movie. Oh but, yeah. But they they ratcheted up the tension to, to this scene, which mm-hmm. makes it way more like the earlier Romero movies than the later ones, which just went very over the top the whole time. Um, and a lot of people have said, you know, this movie, you know, even though it's the 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 uh, romantic comedy with zombies, as they say it, um, mm-hmm. has this this is one of the top you know, zombies eating people death scenes from a movie because they just they earn it so well mm-hmm. because the, the the way the movie's paced. It just, I remember being in the theater and going, wow, that was freaking gross. Like, I didn't expect that at all. That oh, it awesome. comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then uh, Pete from before their former flat their for, at this point yeah former for yeah he's dead so Sean, former flatmate Pete's here <laughs> Pete's here and he bites Ed will do right he bites Ed you know fittingly uh so Ed you know is down for the I mean not dead yet but he's infected going to turn and this um I love this uh to protect themselves they do they pour hard liquor on the bar and light it and yeah, that's a, that was work. a great idea, except for the fact they left the bullets on the bar. Yeah, <laughs> yes. not it's just such, the bullets, the shotgun gel, the gun, and just a, such a thing they would do. Such just like a a, a, a Sean and Ed thing that they would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just totally fitting with their character. So then they stumble down into the basement, uh, and you know they things seem pretty hopeless now. Uh, Sean is like, you know, I failed. You know, and Liz is like, you know, you you tried. That's what's important. You know, it's more than what anyone else did. And for that reason, Sean is my MVP of this movie. Yeah, he's just kind of an everyman who, you know, raised up. You know, he it's it's someone I would hope that if the world ever became like that, that I would become like that. I love especially um, the only reason, Chris, I would tell you to watch more of The Walking Dead is just um, to see what Carol develops into awesome it's she is just an awesome character she you know but she's not a perfect not a perfect person she has her flaws makes mistakes does selfish things too but she just you know is a badass who just you know picked herself up and just survived basically in in the world gone to shit and um yeah that's what sean was and the line the really dark line is where you know liz is like how many bullets are there and then Sean's like, there's too many of them. It's not going to matter. And she says, I wasn't talking about them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Where we, where we go, the mist for, mm-hmm. for, for a few seconds. Here. Oh God. Uh, I saw that movie in theaters and just, oh, that was just a, such a gut punch. Was that oh, the yeah. tree movie? No, no. Oh, that was the happening. Was the, the mist was the one with, um, uh, Thomas Jane. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. Who one. Oh, he was he was supposed to play. He was supposed to play Rick originally. Really? Yep, he was when it was for HBO. Yep, he hmm. was. Yep. So then um, Ed stays behind and then they find there's a, a lift up into the street. He bumps and, into it. <laughs> yep. And I guess it was a reference to Resident Evil, how when they they do the lighter, how it just automatically appears, even though yes. you could kind of see it. That's what they were referencing there. One of the Resident Evil games, which, by the way, uh, finished or I got through the walkthrough of Resident Evil Village. Uh, phenomenal. It's um major, major backstory implications for the series and a really a very, a very poetic ending for one of the characters. I'm just awesome. going to say that. Oh, I yep. can't, I can't it's great. Wait. It's great. And so uh, it's and you'll you'll rewatch seven or replay seven and it kind of changes everything. That's all I'm going to say. I, I love that they they threw in as many references to everything zombie that they yes. into this. Yeah, movie. definitely. And so they they uh, make their way up. They're ready to just fight for their lives. And then suddenly there's uh, artillery just blasting zombies around them. And we see uh, Yvonne from before, the one with the, that had the, the group of doppelgangers. Basically they, Sean's counterpart. Sean's counterpart, yep. They, uh, she arrives with the army. And I love how she's... It was nice of her. I guess, you know, she could be an MVP too because she made a point to get them, you know, didn't forget. And you know how she says, it's only the two of you? Yeah. You know, yeah. no. Okay. Oh. You know, yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. That, At least that was, somebody you know, made it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, because ju she just saw that there was a group of six of them or, you know, it was yeah, or six, six. Yeah. And so it's like, of course. And so then we cut to. Six months later, and uh, Sean and Liz have reconciled their together once again. Uh, presumably, They're living together. Yeah, living together, living together, finally. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, flipping through channels, and I love how the TV just reveals, you know, the world six months later. And I love, I always love with movies when we find out what happened after you know, afterwards, and this movie shows it kind of how, you know, zombies are now working service industry jobs. And um, which, man, you know, if, if places don't want to if places don't want to raise the minimum wage, you know, <laughs> they may have to start doing that. Or, oh, know, God, is that is that going to be the start of the zombie? Is that going to be the reason the zombie apocalypse really starts? Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> or they're providing entertainment on TV. Yeah, I loved that. <laughs> is he going to get it? Is he going to get them? Right. And um, the the talk show where like the woman is still married to um, it kind of reminded me of like, it? right? I'm it kind of reminded my zombie husband. I got the ring on my finger. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of like uh, one thing I loved about True Blood was how they did they did that stuff all the time where you would see like you know TV shows and like you know headlines in the background like Angelina Jolie adopts baby vampire. <laughs> and they, you could advance the story and see kind of where the world was without, you know, being force fed it. Yeah. Which that's the best kind of a movie. And so uh, Sean heads out to the shed and uh, Ed is in there chained up just like uh, what Pete predicted and wanted to do to him. You know, so he kind of had a roll in a way by biting him. 
and he's in there and they play video games. Yep, Ed now They're lives in the friends. shed and player two drops in. Mm-hmm. Player two has entered the game. Yep. Don't and you have it's... work? Player two has left the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh happy ending, and that's Shaun of the Dead. The uh, so wonderful. And <laughs> it just shows you how much this movie's uh, beloved. It has a critical score of 92% and an audience score of 93%. So almost identical. We don't see that very much. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dang. And Stephen, yeah. we, we've got your that person in MVP. Jess, did, do you have a, that person in MVP for this one? Uh, my that person was Chris Martin. Uh, oh, yes, you said it. Sorry, I keep doing chamber. that. I'm so sorry. It's all good. No worries. Um, yeah, and he, you know, has another cameo later talking about some live aid mm-hmm. concert for zombies, something like that. Um, actually, my MVP was Sean's mom. Yeah. She, uh, mm-hmm. she was lovely. She stood her ground when she needed to. You know, she she was definitely a mom and, you know, didn't go anywhere without her husband and, you know, tried to keep her son, you know, in within boundaries. Like, just because you don't like him doesn't mean, you know, he's a bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing her best, like, uh, at one point where before they... Uh, um, emulate the zombies. She goes to check on a friend's house. She's like, oh, I think I have some friends that live over here. And uh, she goes to check on them. And she, we believe that's when she gets bit. But, yep. you know, being the lovely, big-hearted woman she is, she wants to go check on her friends. And, you know, going into the Winchester, she's just kind of along for this ride. She's not, you know, trying to deviate. She trusts that they're doing what's best for her. Um, and so I actually have a quote of hers pulled up. It's the message that she left for Sean. And it says, uh, hello, Pickle. It's me, Mum. Dad said he saw you in town today and mentioned that you might be visiting tomorrow, which would be lovely. Will you be bringing Elizabeth with you this time? Only we can't wait to meet her finally. And also, um, I was wondering if she wanted anything special for lunch, because these days a lot of people don't eat meat. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's just, that's, I mean, basically her in a nutshell, she, you know, she wants to be conscientious and welcoming. She wants to meet this girl that her son has been dating for three years. Like, dang. And it's not like the mom lives like, you know, halfway across the world. It's like, yeah, you're right there. No, he's just a commitment phobe. And so, you know, I just, I think Barbara kind of held the sensitive aspect to it. You know, she didn't have a big grandiose bite. She didn't have a big grandiose death, but you definitely noticed her and felt bad when she went. Yeah. Definitely. My, uh, my, my, that guy is Peter Serafinowitz. Um, he was Pete. Um, he was he was the asshole roommate, and uh, he is in. Doodle do. Yes, well, fuck <laughs> that doodle do. He is he is in everything. Um, it is basically the best way to put it. Um, he has a uh, hundred 
and 15 acting credits. It has only been active acting since 1996. God so damn. That is, that is a lot. Um, if it's a television show, he was on it. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, did the voice of Darth Maul in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, oh. of, of all things. Um he uh, was in Spaced. That was uh, the Edgar Wright's TV series. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the cast of these movies were on Spaced. Yep. yep. Um, he keep going. He was on the IT crowd. Um, he had the Peter Serafinowicz show for a little while, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, and most recently, um, yeah, I saw one in here that was like, oh, really? That that's he's been, he was in his Dark Materials. Um, he was the Tick. On the newest run of the Tick, which mm. was amazing, um, oh, he's done. Was uh, Aldo in Spy? Yep, he's just he's just been in everything, um, and so that's my that guy and my um, my MVP, and I picked that after watching it this time was actually Kate Ashfield as Liz, and. Mm-hmm. All of these MVPs are, are are great choices. There's just something about Liz's. Oh. Go, oh, ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say I oh I had her mixed up. I said Lucy Davis. Oh, and thank you? you. Yeah. 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 Lucy Davis was um, uh, Diane. She was also one of my uh, that person as well. Um, most recently, people recognize her from the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. As uh, Aunt Hilda or is it Zelda? Whichever one is the more kooky, fun loving one. <laughs> Less serious. Yeah. She so was awesome. great on that show. Great on that show. No. Yeah, of course. And so my reason for choosing Liz is, you know, Usually the female character, the girlfriend that the guy's trying to get, will end up being in the movie, uh, a movie like this, as a prize. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, the guy loses her and has to win her back. And instead, she, she has enough agency as a character where even, like, faced with, you know, Sean's mom and the sob story and everything she's been through, she is still holding to her guns that her and Sean are not together anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yes. she, and, and I, I found that, you know, instead of it being like a carrot being waved in front of his face, her and Sean's finding each other and getting back together. Um, it was a journey for both of them where she needed to see Sean's mother and Sean. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that that caring, not lazy, not forgetful, you know, everything that was negative about Sean was Sean pushing away. His, his stepfather, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that conversation they get to have, you know, I always knew there was greatness in you. You just need someone to push it out of you. You know what I mean? To challenge you. And it, it just to see Liz be part of that in Sean's life rather than just something waiting for him or some foil for him and actually have agency as a character and telling her friends off and telling Sean off when she needs to. I just thought it was fantastic. And since this is an Edgar Wright movie, I also have to say the MVP is also the soundtrack because, uh, Oh yeah. It it just rocks. Um, cool. Um, I wanted to mention, uh, in addition to um, Liz's and Sean's relationship, I think part of it progressing is um, I know that uh, Barbara wanted to meet Liz, Liz wanted to meet Barbara, and in this apocalyptic world, um, it happened, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that's part of the reason that, you know, she was okay getting back together with him is not only because they're both survivors of this 
insane event, but she got to meet Sean's mom and was there for the end. Um, so, you know, in, in progressing their relationship, and I guess it helped show Sean that, you know, progression of the relationship isn't such a bad thing. Right. There and by mm-hmm. moving in together later. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's Sean of the Dead. And, um, since, you know, this meeting of the Neighborhood Watch Association, um, has been brought together tonight, <laughs> tell us about Hot Fuzz, Jess. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, as I said, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. I absolutely love it. Um, I I watched it this past week, and I'm planning to go see it in a theater this next week. I love it so much. And it's funny, when I first saw it, I didn't know it was supposed to be an action movie parody. Um, and so it stats, it is a 2007 rated R film that runs two hours and one minute, and it is dubbed action comedy mystery. And according to IMDb, it says a skilled London police officer is transferred to a small town with a dark secret. And that doesn't Uh, sound like a comedy. (laughs) Nope. 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 Uh, directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, and stars Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, and a whole lot of other people. Yes. Um, there, there are a lot of that actor uh, characters in this movie, or a lot of that actor people. Before the movie even opens, you hear a series of whistles and sirens. And um, if you listen to the documentary on the DVD, it's um, basically police whistles and sirens throughout the years and throughout the ages and how they've um, grown and progressed. And so I thought that's pretty cool. Um, Mm. I really love that they're called police constables, not police officers. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I think the word constable is more welcoming. Mm -hmm. Um. So as uh, as we meet Nicholas Angel, he's walking into the station, the precinct. I, I don't know what it's called over there, um, but he is number seven seven seven, and Goody Two Shoes is playing. Um, <laughs> and I just I love it so much um, because that that really sets up how they see. Uh, um, Simon Pegg's character, Nicholas Angel, and um, he's going through listing his uh, his accommodations and accreditations. Double major in politics and sociology, he displayed great aptitude in field exercises, notably urban pacification and riot control. Mm-hmm. You know, he excelled in theoretical coursework and final year examinations. Um, he received a baton of honor and graduated with distinction into the Metropolitan Police Service. And basically just going down this big old line, um, proceeded to improve skill base with courses in advanced driving and advanced cycling. Um and like he holds the Met record for the hundred meter dash. Um, like he's just got this whole big line of accommodations. Um, and then, you know, has 
it has sustained three injuries in the line of duty, most recently in December when wounded by a man dressed as Father Christmas. <laughs> and we get a lovely shot of a guy dressed in a Santa suit who stabs him through the hand. And you get a nice little spurt of blood there. Um, mm-hmm. The blood so, spurts in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. Oh, by the way. The... the gore in this movie yes there is gore in this movie again you should have watched it by now Mm -hmm. but the gore in this movie is so good like the it elevates it above a comedy yeah it's it it it's comedy action mystery and also like a like low-level slasher movie like the gore yeah so ridiculous yeah that's that's the thing this is you know this is this was introduced to me like i watched it by myself but then somebody was like oh yeah that's supposed to be an action parody movie and like i didn't get it i didn't watch that many action movies so i'm just like okay i just really like the movie um have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air (laughs) no i've never fired two guns while jumping through the air and going ah (laughs) so he gets called into the um his boss's office basically and says you know oh congratulations we've you know um advanced you up to uh um sergeant and you're going to be starting in this you know random city and uh then he's like but i i don't want to leave like that's way out in the country i don't want to go there and he's like oh do you want to take this up to the inspector and so, you know, they keep going up the chain and, you and know. Oh, Jess, I don't mean to interrupt. So the inspector is my that person, that actor, uh, Steve Coogan. Uh, another plug for your favorite movie of all time. Uh, he starred in Hamlet 2 as Hamlet 2 as poor Dana Marges. <laughs> it, it's, literally never go through an episode Marges. without mentioning that movie. It just, it, it just it this time he was there. To be I, I the had six to, degrees of everything. That right. movie. It's like, it's like it a, is. a recurring segment. <laughs> sorry. Also, no, I just, no, um, right. I just he's funny. Steve Coogan has had, um, he's been a ton of stuff. Uh, he's also a, uh, Screenwriter too, and director uh, Philomena with Judy Dench is a great movie. Dame Judy Dench, uh, I most remember him from Hamlet too. Um, but yeah, he he's my that person of this movie. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as I said, there will be a lot of that actor. Oh yeah, there's a ton. Um. So yeah, and so they continue going up, and we meet the chief inspector, played by. Bill Nighy as well. Um, <laughs> and so that brings that around to that checkoff. Um, Do you want to bring this all the way up to the chief inspector? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, there's one, you know, there's one more thing you haven't thought about. And that's what the team will say about this. And he turns around and the entire team is gathered, <laughs> with, uh, you know, Goodbye party for him and popping the champagne. So good. (laughs) You know, then then he goes off to meet uh, up with his latest ex, Janine, who is my that actor, and that is Kate Blanchett. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, so unrecognizable I mean, and uncredited. Yes. So I had to uh, watch the commentary to learn that was her. Uh, but Miss Kate Blanchett has been in a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. and my computer is being very slow. Um, I, but I would think she's almost a little too recognizable to be of that person, but that's just it, my opinion. It's because of the mask, though. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, exactly. of course. And I gotta say. You know, how topical of a thing that would, didn't know it was topical in 2007, but watching it now, to have someone not recognize who they're talking to based on the mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was at um, a restaurant the other day where they, our waitress did not, wasn't wearing a mask, and I did like a freaking double take. I'm like, what? Huh? Your face? What are those things moving on your mouth? What are, what right? are those? What, are, what is that? Oh, hey, there's still two people I work with whose faces I've never seen. Mm. So pulling back to Kate Blanchett, um, I, I really love that she was a part of this movie. She's such a big name, and it's such a tiny role. You see her for mm-hmm. all of, like, this two-minute conversation, and it's such a great conversation. But yeah. this woman has been in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. She's been in, you know, she's done voiceover work for like Borderlands, and you she's know, won she's won an Oscar. In, yeah, she was in Mrs. America. She was in. She's been in so many things. Like I can't even like name. A bunch. She was Hela in Thor Ragnarok. She was Lou in Ocean's Eight. She was Mother in a Red Short. Um, she was a stepmother in the 2015 version of Cinderella. You know, she she's been in so many things. It's mm-hmm. insane. And again, you wouldn't recognize her unless you listen to or you know watch the commentary. Because she's completely uncredited. You know? And I was so cool. I commented to Jess the other day when I um when we were hanging out and you were watching the tail end of this movie, how uh, it just shows you how big of a hit and how an overnight success Shaun of the Dead was, because this movie just had so many so many established British actors just lining up to appear in this, this, and then the world's end had that too. Yeah. And it just shows you how big of a hit Shaun of the dead was that it allowed that, you know, this happened. Oh yeah. And so, as I said, she was my, that actor, um, just, just because like her character is so small, but it also shows, you know, the kind of person that, Sean is that he cares enough to let her know that he's moving. Um, but also she's like, Oh, Hey, you know, I started seeing someone. And then at the end, he's like, are you aware that window was broken from the inside? Yeah. You know, and, um, actually he keeps crediting her with a line that he brings up several times is that he can't switch off. Like, he's so in love with the job that he just can't switch off. Um, And uh, I have official vocab on here, which I actually really love um, the the official vocab used and the um, 
the uh, words that are changed. Like, they don't use police force. When they go to study the accident, they don't use um, accident, they use collision. Because in using the word accident, it implies that there's no one to blame. And I just, I really like the uh, the specific official vocab guidelines like police officer instead of policeman and police woman mm-hmm, yep. you know i i just i appreciate those yeah. you know um and so he's living uh in houses that houses like all the the recruits yeah and so like he's not even he doesn't even have like a home home but mm-hmm. he packs up his suitcase and, and he's peace lily he carries yeah, the peace lily with him, and that's kind of telling, and that tells us that his only friend is this plant. Mm-hmm. Like it has uh, very basic needs. Yes, it gives off good oxygen. <laughs> yeah, and so like he he just had to say goodbye to Janine, and he's carrying this plant with him through these train rides and whatnot, and um. So he uh, he gets to the uh, hotel he's going to stay at because his house isn't quite ready, um, and he meets the uh, um, hotel front person, and he's like, I'd like to check in. And she's like, what do you mean? You've always been here. You've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> And so it it was kind of a fun joke, and she thought that it was her husband um, talking. And uh, at one point, she goes, fascist! And Nicholas Angel goes, I beg your pardon? And she was doing a crossword puzzle, and she goes, system of government categorized by extreme dictatorship, seven across. And, of course, Nick, Nicholas, being Nicholas, says, oh, I see, it's fascism. And she goes, fascism, wonderful. Now we've put you in the castle suite. Bernard will escort you over there, which, check off that for later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and he goes, and he looked over at, you know, her husband, Bernard, who's asleep in a chair in front of the fire. And he goes, well, actually, I can probably make my own way up. Hag. And she goes, I beg your pardon. And he goes, evil old woman considered frightful or ugly, 12 down. And she goes out and she goes, oh, bless you. <laughs> and we'll check off on that for later, too. <laughs> exactly. And it's it's I just I think it's so funny. Um, and so he's he's kind of bored just sitting in his hotel room and he wants to kind of go out and check out what the town is about because it's a pretty small town mm-hmm. there's like a town square and then some houses and whatnot um and he uh comes across some kids at a fountain they're just they're chilling there um whatever and i i uh kind of talked about this in the um at world's end uh, movie when we talked about it and how there's a group of boys sitting on a fountain yep. in that one too. <laughs> and Those hoodies. So, <laughs> um, they're not quite hoodies in At World's End, but yes, they're hoodies in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just kind of makes note of it and uh, continues on into the pub, which is literally the only like live business 
in in the entire square and he goes in and um he orders a cranberry juice and it says uh no persons under the age of 18 shall be served in this establishment and I was on like, I got 18. That's so I was much of a joke. The American drinking age. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like I've been watching, uh, um, border patrol shows and like, there was a group of like, I don't want to say kids cause it makes me feel really old, but I mean, kids, they're like 18 or 19 and they mm-hmm. cross into Mexico so that they could go drink and have a quote-unquote fun night which uh side note you don't need alcohol to have fun mm-hmm. but the drinking true, true. Mm-hmm. in mexico is 18 as well and so you know um he goes around and asks a few kids um including one of the uh slytherin uh, boys from Harry Potter, uh, what his age is, and mm-hmm. you know, he's like February seventeenth. What year? Every year. <laughs> <laughs> and so he winds up, you know, clearing out the entire bar. Right. I wrote in my notes. This scene takes me back to when I would work at the uh, the Flame nightclub in Duluth, having to check IDs. And if, you know, people like didn't look or if they were just on the border of the age or they didn't quite look old enough, we just quickly like like ask him like 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 quickly your birth date, boom, you know, put them on the spot. And, you know, if they would flub up, we'd be like, Okay, don't come in. Mm. <laughs> I had I had someone, they literally they gave me the RD and I asked for their date of birth and they literally said that they didn't know. <laughs> I'm like, get the okay. fuck out. Get the fuck out. Oh, and then I had another time where they they gave me the, the, the their ID, and it was of someone I knew. I knew <laughs> this person. I'm like, busted, get out. So I text her. I'm like, did you lose your ID? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I have it here. So, yeah, nice. I love that. Small, you know, Duluth is a big small town. They called that for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, he winds up clearing out the entire bar except him and his cranberry juice. And... Um, you know, the uh, the bartenders are not too happy with him. They're like, another cranberry juice? Like, I mean, basically, they took all their income, you know, out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, Nicholas gets done at the bar. He goes outside, and he sees a drunk driver trying to put his key into his car. And he's like, you're not going to drive that. And he's like, no. And so Nicholas, like, leans over, checks out this plaque that's on the uh, the fountain and to see kind of the founders of the town. And then there's a bit of graffiti in, like, the shape of a nine. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the specifics of that are. Um, but then all of a sudden... The uh, the drunk driver has gotten in his car, goes in reverse so fast, and almost crashes into Nicholas. But Nicholas has amazing reflexes and does a somersault and gets out of the way. And so, basically, um, Nicholas grabs the drunk driver and is like, I'm taking you down to the station. Where is it? <laughs> and on his way... In taking this drunk driver in, he meets, you know, a guy, you know, going pee. So there's public urination. He meets, you know, 
another kid from the pub wearing, you know, a orange cone on his head, a traffic cone. And, <laughs> you know, just he he collects a bunch of uh, ne'er-do-wellers, ne'er-do-wells. Um, and uh, he walks in, he's like, you know, I picked up this lot and uh, he, they're like, oh, that's nice. When do you start? He's like, tomorrow. And he's like, do you really want to process this? This is going to be a lot of paperwork. And he's like, no problem. And like clicks his pen, runs through the paperwork. Um, and then we get the montage of him going to bed and waking up. And uh, he goes for a run. And I noticed this on this watch. He's running in a polo shirt. I I noticed that too. I'm like, yeah. Like I guess it looked like it was made out of like the uh, exercise shirt material, like Under Armour or something. Yeah, but still, like the collar and the buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just it, it's confusing, and I don't know why he would run in that. And later on, he's wearing a polo for his first day at the station. I'm like. Did you not shower? Did you wear your running gear to work? Like, what is going on here? It's like um, all he owns. I don't even know. No. Um, but on his run, he meets uh, Mr. Skinner. And he says, I'm a slasher. Catch me. And uh, <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, I'm a slasher of prices at the local shop mart, you know, and uh, he, you know, runs off to his store and he's like, catch me later. And it's it's so funny how how many like um, little pieces there are in there where once you get to the end of this movie, you're like, oh, OK, like I get it. Um and so uh, I keep wanting to say Sean uh, Nicholas gets to the police station and he wants to check out the inebriant he arrested in cell four and he gets it open and it's empty and he goes, oh, he's gone. <laughs> and all of a sudden <laughs> you hear behind him, he's like, who's gone? And up pops the inebriant who's supposed to be in cell four. And we are introduced to uh, Danny Butterbaum, who is <laughs> Nick Frost's character. Such a British name. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Frank, Danny's dad, um, takes him on a tour of the station and we meet uh, all of the... Um, we see all the rooms and we meet all the staff and we see that the evidence room is empty and the riot gear is completely covered in dust and cobwebs. Like it there's is like, not. Used. There's like a rat or something in there. Right. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a hedgehog. Hedgehog. That is, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It was a hedgehogs are cute. Rats are not. Uh, rats yeah. are totally cute. What are you talking about? If they're white, I guess. As long as they don't have the, the red eyes. I saw, I finally saw the infamous albino squirrels oh, when yeah. I was out biking. I've, I've heard that they exist around here. I never saw one until the other day. So I'm, I guess I'm a Twin Cities resident now. Awesome. No, I think, I think raddies are adorable. Um, 
not not like your dirty like pizza rat in new york yeah yeah it, it depends like pet it depends rat. yeah pet of, of course sure i would agree but, with that yeah i'm i'm not a fan of mice like those are i can even tolerate one mice if i see you know if i you know, if I see it, it's like, oh, you know, you poor thing. Let's just get you outside. You know, the little, <laughs> little, little field mice are cute. I think the little ones. Until they come back around and go back into your house. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. Yeah, and so, uh, we see the different rooms. We get to meet the Andes. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna take you on a trip to the Andes, <laughs> <laughs> where we meet um the two detectives. And do you know why they're called Andrew? Or do you know why they're called the Andes? Because they're both named Andrew. Um, <laughs> and Danny says that trying to talk to them is an uphill battle. And he gets wah, wah. The first time we see this, a uh, garbage bin, a flying garbage bin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he goes around and he gets to meet... Um, Oh, shoot. I don't have everything in front of me, but he gets to it. The setups are so great um, with the Andes and uh, the policewoman. Um, oh, and riot. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Nicholas with the official vocab is like police officer. And he's like, no, she's really a policewoman. And he's like, I see I've her. her I've seen her bra. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and she's like, oh, I could show you, I could give you a tour of the station. I've been around it a few times. <laughs> and it's just, it's ridiculous. And then um, there's a character who leads their canine, uh, Saxon. And then um, there's, uh, I don't know if he's a sergeant or detective, but um, the other gentleman, oh my goodness, I'm, my Names are escaping me. It's all good. Um, but he, uh, he's got this whiteboard behind him, and there are all these balloons and lines connecting to his head. They're all um, negative words. <laughs> yeah, that are like ignorant, lazy, <laughs> stupid, um, stuff like that. It's just, it's really funny. Okay, so yeah, Sergeant Tony Fisher, um, so he's got this whiteboard behind him with all these like ridiculous, horrible, like, you know, things that basically describe his character. Um, and then at the end, we get to meet the NWA, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. it's this curmudgeonly old guy with horribly thick coke bottle glasses wearing a bow tie and uh he's he's got this walkie-talkie which check off that for later we will definitely talk about the walkies yeah um <laughs> but he gets on about the bloody hoodies and the return of the uh the crusty juggler the the living statue living statue what's uh, next crusty jugglers Jugglers. yeah and uh <laughs> My, one of my favorite lines in the movie, he goes, if we don't come down on these clowns, we'll be up to our balls in jugglers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so I just want to say, I don't mean to get too topical. It's very obvious that this town voted for Brexit. Yes, they did. Very, very obvious. I mean, it was the English countryside that did it. Let's, you know, yeah, the, the you know, bigots are not just, you know, 
within the U.S. borders. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. These folks, the, mm -hmm. they're perfectly nice on the outside until you ask them what they think of their fellow yeah. man. I, I had somebody. It's funny. When I was in um, when I was in Amsterdam on a river tour, uh, I sat next to a, a British couple and they were like, Oh, uh, I said I was from Minnesota and the, the wife got really suspicious. All of course. She, was, she was like, is that in the Bible belt? Oh, God. I'm like, no, actually not. I mean, yeah. I'm like, we're actually quite a progressive state when we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting encounter. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. No worries. Um, But yeah, so... You know, he's he's part of this, you know, um, NWA, Neighborhood Watch Alliance. He's got, you know, qualms with the hoodies, the hoodie infestation and the living mm -hmm. statue, which he he like if you were to make a drinking game out of hot fuzz, he would definitely be like, take a shot. Uh huh. As he, he pops up throughout the movie. And it's just it's pretty fun. Um, so after work, he uh, Nicholas goes to the pub, um, and he learns in talking to the Andes that there are more guns in the country than in the city. Everybody and their moms are packing. And Nicholas says, like, who? And <laughs> the Andes go, farmers, farmers' moms. <laughs> and we will check off that for later. Mm -hmm. um, so... Uh oh yeah, the next day they're uh he and Danny are now partners and they're patrolling. Um and uh oh last night when talking to the Andes, um they drudged up some gossip about Sean and how he shot a uh a perp with a uh Kalashnikov. And, you know, um, Danny, I keep wanting to say Ed, uh, Danny is just yeah. Sh Sean, Nicholas, Danny, yeah. Ed, we're just going to jump between them. It's fine. <laughs> That's yeah, no worries. <laughs> and Danny is just in awe of Nicholas and completely mm -hmm. enamored by him. Basically, he has in, a boy crush. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, big time. Mm -hmm. That's in adorable. all of like these, this action that he has seen, you know, in that he's been stabbed and he's like, you know, what was it like to get stabbed? And he's like, it was the single most painful uh, moment of my life, you know, and he's just mm -hmm. like, oh, and, you know, he's just he's going along and questioning. And then they uh, they go into a shop because they're not stores, they're shops. And um, we hear over the walkie-talkie, one person, uh, one woman, say, "Check out, check out that Nicholas Angel's arse." Yeah, <laughs> police chief's in the room. Check out his yeah. arse. Arse. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and so we learn, you know, that that there's a bit of a network with walkie-talkies, and we're we're still kind of piecing together who all has them. And um, after they leave this shop and start walking around, Danny kind of changes his line of questioning, and we find out that Danny is a cinephile. Um, he loves movies. 
and especially action movies. And he's like, have you seen Point Break? No. Have you seen Bad Boys 2? No. And just going along down this whole thing. <laughs> Specifically American action movies. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I don't, I don't really know if there are any British action movies per se. Hot fuzz. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say James Bond, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. But it's the specifically buddy cop movies he's big right. into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like those whole like bro team types. Um, and so, you know, that night, um, Nicholas is invited to the NWA meeting, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance meeting. Um, and, you know, we we get to meet people and uh, we learn some last names. And it's actually really interesting that people's last names kind of uh, kind of go along with their professions uh, or right. the shops they own. Like Mary Porter. Yeah, Mary Porter. Yep. Um, James Reaper. Yeah. Yeah, James Reaper. Uh, M- Merchant is mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, Leslie Tiller, who's a gardener. Uh, but we've got like Bernard and Joyce Cooper, Prosser's uh, Dr. Robin Hatcher, you know, and he he at one point, you know, mentions that he delivered Danny. So like he's he's an all around doctor. Uh, like Tim Messenger, who does the newspaper. The Rag, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Martin Blower. Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of names that match up with their professions. Um, so that was one of my little notes. But um, we also find out at this point that... Um, this was actually my first time hearing about agnostic being an agnostic. Yes. I I had never heard this term before and you know quite honestly it it very much lines up with my beliefs and you know I am agnostic. Um but this was the first time I had heard this term and it defined and um, I think they did a really great job in doing so. Um, yeah. Before rewatching this movie, I'll admit I didn't remember much about it, but I remember really liking it. And but I do remember that part standing out. Yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the 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 preacher invited him to say something during, I think, Sunday mass or something. And he was like, oh, I don't think that would, you know, be appropriate. And uh the the preacher was like, oh, you're um, an atheist. And he's like, no, um, I just, you know, I I believe there's something out there. I just don't quite, you know, believe specifically. I I forget what the... I don't think it can be defined or whatever. Yeah. 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 And he's like, oh, you're an agnostic. Um, and so that was, that was kind of my first, you know, hearing of... Um, being an agnostic person and having that type of belief and that, you know, I, I aligned with that the most. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where my belief set. I'm just kind of 
cool with everyone and you know you have your thing i you know i'll do mine i'll control what i can um and we walk in and there's a round table so like king arthur's round table it's a round table um and everybody who sits down has walkies so everybody who is a member of the uh nwa has walkies so these specific people and you know in in showing that it's showing like these specific people are the people of power in this town and so um the next day uh we meet Tim Messenger, who uh, is taking pictures after Sean um, meets. Sean goes around and is uh, is doing kind of a school tour and talking about you know breaking the law and being being on the right side of the law and whatnot and. Um, Tim Messenger wants him to do like some funny poses or put his hat on one of the kids or put the teacher in handcuffs. And he's like, nope, nope, none of that is appropriate. And so he takes the standard photo and Tim Messenger runs it and misspells his last name. Mm, and uh, yeah, and so uh, he is referred to as um, Officer Angle for the rest of the day. And um, he. He's getting ribbed by all of the police team, um, and he goes to answer his phone, and he the the voice on the other end goes, "The swans are loose," and he's like, "The swans," and uh, he's like, "Who's calling?" And uh, he said, "My name is Peter Ian Staker." And he's like, taker, piss taker. This is a joke. Come on. <laughs> and no, this is a real call. His swan has gotten out. He needs help getting him back. So that's kind of a little humbling moment for Nicholas to just say, um, oh, okay. So he and Danny head out in this little like montage of trying to chase down this swan, which, um, Stefan and I were talking about the swan because he mm -hmm. he comes in and out throughout the movie. And what did you say? Uh, uh, I guess I don't remember. Oh, you were saying how nasty swans are. Oh, they're awful. Uh, they can be vicious. IRL. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, swans, like geese, are very large birds and you know when you get too close to them or if you have something they want they're gonna come up and take it whether you like it or not and they might might bite you in the process yeah. um and they do have little like jagged edges of their bills so mm -hmm. it's it's not nice and oh yeah they will chase you <laughs> so um mm -hmm. don't go trying to pet a swan because it's not fun um but they go into a shop and uh the there's um one shop that allows only one school child at a time and uh she goes oh have you had any luck catching them swans yet and danny goes it's just the one swan actually and we'll check off that for later 
Um, and so, you know, this leads to Nicholas and Danny sitting in the their car, their police cruiser, and, you know, Danny's just kind of dinking around, and, you know, Nicholas is like, why aren't you paying attention? Like, you know, there's some, there's always something going on, you know, like, what's up with that guy? And there's a guy with a large, like, um, winter jacket on, basically, a big puffy jacket when it's, like, springish. Um, and, you know, Danny's like, well, maybe he's cold. And then there's a guy walking down the street in, like, a purple tracksuit, and he's got his hat you know, pulled low, and um, Nicholas is like, well, what about that guy? And he's like, well, he's fuck ugly. <laughs> and, uh, and then we meet Lurch. Yarp. Narch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lurch is my other that actor for this. Um, he is... He actually played the Hound in Game of Thrones. Yes. And mm -hmm. he looked completely different. And it is absolutely wild, actually, how different he looks and how different of a character is. And, like, his his character in this movie versus his character then, um, it just... It's just so, so different, and I am having the worst time. Rory McCann, that's who it there is. There you go. Mm -hmm. Sorry, they don't have him listed as Lurch. They have him listed as Michael, the stock boy. Yarp. Um, that, and he is, in case you're wondering, he is six foot six. He has, um, he has height on me. <laughs> he's got definitely height on me um since you're like a foot taller than me Stefan. um <laughs> but yeah he played the hound in the entire series of game of thrones um he was on a show called banished he was on a show called the jury um he's been in a number of things um he was on shameless a couple of times um, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything too notable for America. I, I am imagining that most of these are English TV shows. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but he's got, you know, a decent amount of acting credits to him. Oh, it looks like he was in Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage as Tennyson Torch. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a thing or Jumanji the next level that's that's a thing as well so mm -hmm. good on him that he's branched out um, but yes he does have about 30 credits to his name and he is a very distinct looking actor um, so he is my second that actor person um, but we get to meet him or at least we see him walking by and uh, we learn that he is simple-minded and his mom and sister are the same person and uh, he works at the grocery store. And so that's actually where we wind up where Danny is looking at the value bin of DVDs and um, he's reading the descriptions and, um, you know, 
uh, Nicholas is walking around and he sees the butchers who are trapping meat and, you know, um, he goes to talk to Mr. Skinner who makes light murder insinuations. Um, and they're, they're slightly off-putting. Like, he, he seems to be kidding, maybe? Um... And, uh, and so, uh, with these light murder insinuations, um, you know, he talks about where we first meet, uh, Martin Blower, um, and he, like, parks very awkwardly in what looks to be a handicapped spot, um, and he parks in, like, some of the, um, Oh goodness, lined off area and you know we learn that he's this you know millionaire who made his fortune in um kitchen appliances and he uh he you know doesn't really go along with the aesthetic of the town pretty much and he <laughs> built like nope. this whole big mansion and just you know kind of said screw off to the town basically um and sean was saying or not sean oh my goodness um nicholas was saying oh you know i wasn't saying you need to keep an eye on him you need to keep an eye on him and points out that there's a shoplifter in the store and uh so he runs to meet the shoplifter and it's this same guy that we saw earlier in the purple track suit with the hat pulled down over his face and he's uh, stealing uh, biscuits or cookies, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, so Danny is still standing at the DVD rack, and he uh, reads he reads a uh, oh gosh a subtitle for a movie, and it says "Meet the cop who can't be stopped." As Nicholas runs past in pursuit of this shoplifter, and this like whole sequence is so great um and there's a point where you know he's a little ways behind the shoplifter and the shoplifter gives good chase like he is a good freaking runner um and he turns a corner at one point and nicholas comes up to a pack of mothers pushing uh strollers along and, <laughs> and he goes you mothers and i guess that's a joke that they've been wanting to use since Shaun of the dead but they couldn't really work it into Shaun of the dead um so they uh and just it was it was pretty funny um and this is the part where we uh, get to the fences um, in... So good! <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Danny catches up to um, Nicholas and is like, what, are we going to cut through? And he's like, what, haven't you ever heard of a shortcut? And he just bounds <laughs> over these fences. No problem. He bounds over three of them and then does this, like double flip over the last one there and... there must there there had to have been a trampoline at that last one that we didn't oh, see yeah. that, just, that flip that yes. flip is incredible mm -hmm. yeah yeah i just there's so much physical demand and humor in this movie and fighting like it's it's insane like i don't even know how simon pegg 
did all of it. I don't know if he's an avid runner or what, but this is amazing. He did um, lose um, some weight uh, for this movie. I remember reading. Say, it's, it's it's definitely the the trimmest he's ever looked. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he you know he had to look trim to be you know at the top of his game and have all the accommodations and stays in shape and goes running and uses you know a hand strengthener and <laughs> the like, hand strengthener is so. Good. I've always thought those are so tacky. I just I think it's uh. funny because usually when we see it, it's in the place where his penis generally yeah. would be. And it's, it's so funny. An alternative to masturbation. I never noticed that. That's that's funny. Yeah. And like he's not gonna lay around masturbating. He's gonna, you know, keep working on strengthening the hand that got stabbed. Um, and so back to this shortcut, he, you know, bounds over each fence, you know, doing a phenomenal double flip at the end. And Danny is just so awestruck like oh man that's amazing i'm gonna give it a try and he runs up and he crashes through the first (laughs) he just barrels through (laughs) yep and falls over and he gets up and he looks back at the camera and edgar wright actually asked him to do that because he wanted people to see that it was actually nick frost who did that and it wasn't some rando stunt double that's That's awesome. awesome I love that. Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, Nicholas is still trying to pursue this guy. At one point, they stop and catch their breath for a moment. And he takes the shoplifter takes off again. And I'm like, why didn't you just grab him? Like, you're both catching your breath. Just grab him. Um, But he takes off again and uh, runs past. Nicholas runs past uh, the hoodies who are spray painting something and he grabs one of the spray paint cans and basically takes measure of where the shoplifter is going to be, lobs it, and gets the shoplifter right on the head, knocks him on the ground. um, And it's just, it's such a fantastic. Um, such a fantastic throw. And so Danny finally catches up to Nicholas and is like, oh yeah, that's Pete. Hey, Pete. And he's like, why didn't you tell me you knew who this was? And he's like, well, I couldn't see him. I'm not made of eyes. That's that's one of my favorite. <laughs> I'm not one made of, my of eyes. Yeah. Like, you saw him earlier. You saw his hat pulled down, but you're not made of eyes. Okay. Like, I just <laughs> that line just tickles me. I love it. Um, so they just arrested Pete, and uh, Danny is not made of eyes. And no, he is not. <laughs> um, you know they they send Pete off to be arrested, and they do his uh, mug shot. And just as Nicholas is filling out the paperwork, uh, Mister Skinner comes in and decides not to press charges and is uh sharing biscuits or cookies around the uh around the shop around the uh police station and you know it's just you know he doesn't see the point you know in tarnishing a kid's record for stealing cookies 
even though he was he was going for it, he was like stuff in his pockets, and what it looked like was down his pants. But <laughs> yeah, that I was a know. pretty intense action scene for biscuits. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if that guy's a fun runner too, but he can go the distance. He's mm-hmm. going for speed. <laughs> <laughs> She's all alone. <laughs> all alone. <laughs> Um, okay. so, so, uh, next we have, um, Nicholas and Danny, God, I keep wanting to call him Ed, Danny, uh, sitting in a police cruiser, which as I've mentioned before, when we covered the world's end, it's meant to be seen. It's Love not it. only white, but it has like neon yellow and orange on it. Like, mm-hmm. it is meant to be seen. It's not meant to be a sneak-up-on-you car, which is how America should be doing. But yeah. no. And then, is is this the part where they were eating the ice cream? No. Okay. Nope, it's where they're checking for speeders. And they're just, <laughs> right, yeah. Such they're a good chatting. one. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Danny is talking about Point Break and kind of the... Um, the whole, you know, story on that. And this car speeds by and they, you know, flip on the lights and go after them. And um, did anybody cluck this girl? Okay, so um, I've actually seen her in a few things. Really? Miss um, hmm. E. Draper. Um, she does have a very significant laugh. Uh, Lucy Punch is her name. Um, she's she's another that actor of mine. Um, she has been in a whole number of things. She uh, was in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series. Yes. Um, I've never I've never seen that show because I want to see the movie first and I can, can't find the movie anywhere. She was in Into the Woods. She was in um, Bad Teacher. Oh, um, she was she was in the 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 Grindhouse trailer for Don't. I love that that <laughs> fake trailer. If you are thinking of going into this house, don't. <laughs> If you're uh, thinking she... of seeing this movie, don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, she was in Take Me Home Tonight. She was in Dinner for Schmucks. She's been in a whole lot of stuff. Um, and they uh, actually, yep, she was in the short for Don't. Uh, she was Eve Draper in Hot Fuzz. And um, I actually saw her secondarily in Ella Enchanted. She played one of the uh, nasty stepsisters. Um, And Mm. so uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's Anne Hathaway. It's so good. That is 100% where I recognize her from now that you mentioned it. That's the one right there. Yep. And so she's she's Hattie. um, Mm. And it just it definitely fits for her. I'm putting it together now. It makes sense why she would be in the don't trailer because Nick Frost and Simon Pegg were in that fake trailer as well. That was Edgar Wright's trailer. That's right. Yeah, of course. 
So, small confession, I haven't seen all of Grindhouse. That's okay, I've, it's a lot of movie. Yeah. I, I've only seen uh, the second movie, not the first, and I haven't seen the trailers in between. Oh, Ooh, the first is so that, fun. That would be a fun fighting film. Yeah. It, it's the zombie thing. But you know what okay. I mean? That, sent, sent, that just that do just do that movie. You know, is almost like a is like a, a feature. You know, like a director yeah. feature mm-hmm. or something. Even though that anyway, yeah, yeah that's cool. <laughs> I just I had to admit that I'm like, oh gosh, I I should probably say something, but I should probably check out this. Don't. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and werewolf women of the SS and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's I'm Rob so zombies. The the that the uh, Thanksgiving one was not made into a movie. They keep threatening to. Uh, I'm, I'm so bitter about that. that. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> so we learn that um, Nicholas is never without his notebook. And it is the most um, effective police tool he uses. And he is literally writing his conversation verbatim with the, uh, the guy driving the car. And, um, you know, they're off to their dress rehearsal for Romeo and Juliet that they are performing in that night. And this gentleman is a bit old to be playing Romeo, um, but okay. Um, And so, you know, they let him off, I assume, with a warning or a ticket. And they head back to the station and... Um, the gentleman, uh, playing Romeo, and why do I not have his name? Um, Martin Blower? I thought Martin Blower was... So Martin Blower is a character in the movie, right? Yes. Martin mm-hmm. Blower is the guy with the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this is... Oh, what the hell's his name? It's not Michael Armstrong. No. He's like one of those people you recognize. He's a that guy. Yeah, you know, he is. <laughs> um, I didn't recognize him. I recognized the girl. Right. Uh, he's got such a tiny part. Um, but it's it's so. He's not Arthur Webley. He's not Aaron A. Aronson. <laughs> that was great. What's your name? Aaron A. Aronson. Aaron A. Aronson. <laughs> oh, I suppose we should go through the phone book and question everyone. Should we start with Aaron A. Aronson? <laughs> um, Why is he not on here? I don't know. I'm looking at the uncredited, and I just... I don't know, but the guy who plays Romeo... Um, Do you know what's really funny? Peter Jackson is in this. Yep. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the thief dressed as Santa Claus that stabs Nicholas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. Ah, here um, we go. Martin Blower. David Threlfall. They leave tickets for uh, Danny and Nicholas um, to go see their play tonight, Romeo and Juliet. But they can't accept gifts from people they've officially rebuked. So they can't. And then they turn around and Frank, Big Boss, asks them to go uh, in place or stand in uh, and um, 
go and check out the show for the police department. Um, and so they go. And there is horrible acting. And <laughs> um, a gun that <laughs> goes off by Juliet saying, bang. And then the end of the play is Love Fool. Love me, love me, say that you love me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. That wasn't that didn't have action. Really? Like, it just it reminded me of something Taylor Dosey would have put on in Gilmore Girls. Right? <laughs> I'll take your word on that. <laughs> so, oh my god, I love that you pulled out a Gilmore Girls reference. She was kinky boots. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's fine, but this acting is so terrible, and this ending is so ridiculous. Nicholas and Danny wind up at the pub and have a couple of drinks, and Mr. Skinner... Makes Love another that. comment about may their heads be struck from their shoulders in, you know, just casual conversation. And, you know, Nicholas is enjoying his cranberry juice and uh, Danny is having a few pints. Martin Bloor did come up and ask how they uh, liked his little gift of tickets. And uh, Danny said, oh, well, we can't uh, review anybody we've officially... Like uh, written a ticket to. I know there's a cited or given a citation, whatever. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas has a great quip. And uh, they head off. Well, then comes the very first murder. After Martin Blower and Eve Draper meet back up for a lovely champagne toast. And um, they are hacked up by a gentleman in a, well, by somebody in a black robe. Can't say if it's a gentleman. Right. Um, but Nicholas gets called in the middle of the night. And all he hears is decaffeinated. <laughs> And so um, he shows up to the scene to find out that um, Mr. Blower and Miss Draper have both been beheaded uh, by going too fast in their car and going basically underneath a sign, which I think would be a terrible way to oh, uh, horrendous. Yes. <laughs> there, there was an accident like that in Duluth when I was in high school. Ooh. Yeah, the 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 head, as far as I know, wasn't wasn't propped up like that place like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's suspicious. The forgetful sergeant, um, the one who's you know, um, late and you know incompetent and whatnot. He's like, oh well, you know, what do you what would you do in this situation? And Nicholas just rattles off basically the entire, like, chain that needs to happen and, you know, um, blocking off the scene and, you know, setting up a way for people to get past without too much clogging and whatnot. And he just basically goes, eh, what he said. <laughs> um, 
and uh, you know, one of the townspeople drives up on a bike and said, "Oh, what happened here?" And uh, Danny goes, "Traffic accident," and Nicholas says, uh, "Traffic collision." Official vocab guidelines. And Danny is like, "Why is that?" And Nicholas says, "Accident implies there's no one to blame." Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And, uh, when I first saw this movie, I actually adopted that into my uh, vocab because I, you know, I agree with it. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, Minnesota is a no-fault state, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, accident implies there's no one to blame. They get back to the station, and, uh, you know, they're talking to the Andes, and, you know, Nicholas is saying, you know, isn't it kind of weird that, you know, there were no skid marks? And, of course, that gets a laugh from everybody. Um, Just that, you know, they're heading around this curve so fast they didn't bother to try to slow down or stop you know isn't it kind of weird and uh they get called out to a farmer's house and they have to bring saxon and his handler saxon the dog and uh because a farmer was uh trimming his neighbor's hedge (laughs) sounds dirty (laughs) <laughs> like I get like it's not your hedge but I don't really think that's a police matter maybe um, in a small town though well, just just like looking for the swan right yeah, yeah. well that was Mr. Pisstaker so <laughs> um, so they get there and on the way, they're drive they're driving, and they said, and Nicholas goes, "Well, why did we need the dog?" And uh, Danny goes, "Well, it's not the dog that we needed." And um, they get to the farmer's house, and he is standing there with a shotgun. And... I love the casual. He's got the shotgun like open. Yep. Like mm-hmm. that's just always one of my favorite like intimidation things in whenever <laughs> anyone has a double barrel shotgun. It's just like. At any moment, I could cock this, but I'm not going to right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, to be fair. Sorry, letter Kenny reference. Nice. Um, <laughs> I would rather see someone with a shotgun like over their arm and open than, you know, closed and like leaning on their shoulder. That actor is oh, David yeah. Bradley. David Bradley. Thank you. Basil. Basil, we needed Saxon's handler because he is a translator, apparently, for this farmer. Um, so, so this whole around situation just like is really funny, but then there's me and I'm trying to sit like really close and like fine tune my ears to try and understand what they're saying. Um, but so basically Nicholas asks the farmer a question, the farmer answers, and then Saxon's handler answers, and then Nicholas has to convey it for or um 
Danny has to convey it for Nicholas because Danny understands Saxon Tandler and Saxon Tandler understands the farmer. Um, and so they go around a few times and, uh, you know, they're, they're wrapping up and, you know, they say, oh, you know, you shouldn't, uh, don't go trimming your neighbor's hedges. Just, it's not worth it. By the way, I expect you have a, you know, license for that gun. And the farmer goes, I do for this one, you know, more or less in his, his odd way of speaking. <laughs> um, and they go, this one. And he brings them back to the barn and he's got this entire arsenal of just guns and ammo and all of this whole shelves of stuff. And then there in the middle is a sea mine. Yeah, a depth charge. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, he, uh, Nicholas asked, where did you get all this? And he found it. He just found it. I mean, I I suppose when you don't have much going on, you just walk around and find stuff. But a sea mine, like how how do you just find a sea mine? Like that's that's nuts. Um, and so you know, Nicholas is making a call back to the station to talk about all these guns and things that they found, and uh, he uh, he or the farmer taps the sea mine with his the butt of his uh shotgun and it starts ticking <laughs> and everybody out everybody out run 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 and there's this great great shot of them running out and like diving over this half wall only to have nothing happen um and so you know apparently it doesn't work. It's just sitting there. You know, it's it's a bot. It's a bust. I was gonna say it's a bomb, but duh, it's a bomb. Um, <laughs> so they go through and confiscate this entire barn, and now their evidence room is completely filled up with guns, ammo, everything, and a sea mine. So. Of course, after a long day of work, uh, Nicholas and Danny go to the pub, as usual. And uh, Nicholas reveals that uh, he's always wanted to be a police officer, except for one short time where he wanted to be Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I feel you there. Yeah. Adorable. Like, yeah, it just, I don't know, it's just like, the most ridiculous thing. I don't know if they were just, you know, going off the cuff and landed on that. Um, or I just, I have no idea. Um, it just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, Nicholas goes into talking about this, uh, paddle car, um, that he had, that his uncle got him. And, you know, he would be so proud going around, you know, telling you know giving kids tickets and telling you know 
telling people what's right and what's wrong. And he just always had a pretty, you know, solid sense of what's right and what's wrong. Um, and talking about how it was his destiny. And, uh, you know, um, Danny, being the sweet guy he is, says, you know, Nicholas would have made a really great Muppet. And then gouges a fork in his eye. Only to find, ta-da, he had a ketchup packet behind his hand. <laughs> and we will check out that for later. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, Nicholas actually starts to have a pint. He actually has beer. He stops having his cranberry juice. And he's got another pint. And another pint. And um, they run into Mr. Skinner again. And they, uh, they run into their boss. And uh, he mentions that... Um, I don't remember if it's Frank or Mr. Skinner that say it's time for someone to be cut off. Uh, but they turn around to see uh, Mr. Merchant um, peeing next to the uh, video game in the bar. <laughs> and so they uh, they help him get home. And, you know, Danny says, uh, well, I guess we did get a little drunk, didn't we? Um <laughs> Uh, the the actor's short, so that's that's. And you know. I I believe Skinner was talking about the hangover he was going to have. Isn't this when he says next time we see him, he's going to be dead? I'm pretty sure that's his bad line for this guy um, or something like that. I think I think he says something about being blown to bits. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Check off on that, right? <laughs> and so. Um, they drop off Mr. Merchant and, uh, you know, they're walking Danny back to his house and they don't quite want to say goodbye just yet. You know, I, I think they might be coming friends. Mm -hmm. um, and so Danny invites Nicholas in for another pint. And, uh, you know, Danny's like, hey, let's put on a movie. And he says, uh, Point Break or Bad Boys 2? And he's like, oh, uh, which, which one should we watch? And Danny's like, no, which one are we starting with? Yes. And, and, I, he... and I, loved, <laughs> I loved his incredible, like, hidden gun closet of movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I am jealous of that DVD closet. Like, I want that mm -hmm. DVD closet like part of the reason we bought our house that we're in is because it had um like bookshelves up the sides that i keep my dvds on and i've got well over 200 dvds oh you have you have way more than that jess yeah i haven't counted lately <laughs> it's way more awesome. than 200 awesome i i need more shelves to say the least <laughs> um but yeah i just like that closet, like I don't get jealous very often, but I got jealous of that closet. It was so nice. And it's like this nice, just little walk-in closet with just shells of DVDs. It's like, um, 
it's kind of like a mini back room at Blockbuster. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that's what I can think of for it. But like when I first saw that closet, like I was salivating. Like cinephiles have that kind of closet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just yes. like, yes. That's how you do it. And it's so funny because, you know, he's been living in this house for like two years. He still has boxes that aren't unpacked. Right, but, he's but he's got, got this beautiful pristine, pristine DVD closet. And it's like you can see what he values. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I totally do. Like I need I need more shelves so badly. I've got <laughs> I've got it in alphabetical order, but then I've got like piles of dvds in front of dvds like it's just it's bad um and uh so they're they fell asleep watching bad boys or no they uh danny as he starts up a movie he goes this is about to go off (laughs) and just as we uh we find out about the second murder um, that Mr. Merchant is passed the fuck out, um, in a chair that he is taped to, and somebody has started his, uh, stove, but not lit it, and, uh, basically set it up to look like he was making some food for himself. A drunken midnight snack. Of bacon and beans. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, set a candle, and basically, it's that easy, folks, apparently. Um, (laughs) And uh, Nicholas and Danny fell asleep watching Bad Boys 2, and Martin Lawrence goes, shit just got real. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's where... um, you know, they uh, they get the phone call that, you know, there's been another accident. It's an accident. Um, and so they head to the scene and uh, the uh, incompetent sergeant asks Angel for help. And so Sergeant Angel, you know, kind of goes down the list of protocol of what they should be doing. And uh, so, and uh Basically, someone said, you know, it's like, oh, um, <laughs> the walkie-talkies just overheard. And it's so funny if you can catch these little blurbs from the walkie-talkies. But this one just went like something out of backdraft. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they went to um, the curmudgeonly old guy in the NWA office. And they were checking out the uh, town cameras only to find the elusive swan had been outside (laughs) of Mr. Merchant's house. Otherwise, nobody could be seen. You know, um, there's just that's all there is to it. It was just another accident. (sighs) So just so happened to take out that house. None of them liked. Yeah. Check off that for later. (laughs) So later on in the day, um, they all go to a church fair. And basically, Nicholas Angel has to work it, basically, as security. 
And, um, but everybody in the town is there. And, uh, uh, as, as we enter over the loudspeaker, we hear, uh, someone's in for a big surprise at three o'clock. <laughs> and, um, as Nicholas is walking around, there are several different fun, you know, fair carnival games. One is called Splat the Rats. And uh, Tim Messenger actually uh, comes up to uh, Nicholas and says, "Hey, I need I need to talk to you about all of these accidents going on." And uh, you know, Nicholas kind of brushes him off. "Hey, I'm working right now, but maybe later." And Danny pulls him aside to the shooting gallery or shooting ace game. And Nicholas hasn't touched a firearm in about two years. And he he doesn't really want to. But Danny's like, come on, it's just an airsoft rifle. You know, no big deal. Uh, and in, you know, the action montage, that the action cuts that happens, um, of course, Nicholas Angel knocks down the six tiny little tin men and wins uh, Danny a big fluffy monkey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a, cute. That's a, a nice callback to Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, at a, uh, Tim Messenger is like, you know what, just meet me in the back of the church at three o'clock. And so... You know, Nicholas is checking his watch, and he gets called up to announce the names for the raffle. And it's like 2.55-ish. Okay, sure, he's got time. So he goes up, and uh, he he retrieves the first name for the raffle winner, and it is Mr. Skinner. <laughs> but apparently he's in the loo. And then the uh, second, um, the second name pulled is Tim Messenger, who, if you remember, he's waiting in the back of the church for Sergeant Angel. And, you know, he keeps checking his watch. He's like, I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta go meet up with him. Literally, like, takes off in a sprint to meet up with Tim Messenger. And as soon as he comes around the corner, he is met with Tim Messenger smiling as he sees him and then his head being bashed in by a point from the church roof. It's glorious. It's the best death in the movie. It's, it's amazing. Great. Oh my gosh. The blood squirts in this were gorgeous. Like, the bot, the body's still stepping around. Oh like, yeah, oh, the body's yeah, still walking. Like, what just happened? Like, he walks a few feet before he goes down. Like, I gotta say, this movie definitely comes up with very creative ways to kill people, and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things I like it about it the most. Is it's not just you know. Oh, somebody getting their throat slashed. Oh, somebody got stabbed. Oh, somebody this. Oh, somebody that. No, no. This guy got his head bashed in by a point from the church roof. 
Because you uh, know they, they were having a thing to fix it. It's just another yep. accident. Yep. Well, and that's where all the proceeds from the swear box went to, is to fixing the church roof. Like, this this is a, you know, running thing throughout the uh, the movie, is that the church church roof needs to be fixed. And apparently, boy, does it. Because uh, just, you know, points from the church roof are just falling on people. It's so dangerous. Yeah. Al- almost as dangerous as those damn jugglers and human statues, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um, Nicholas thinks somebody was behind it. He hightails it up all of the stairs to the very top of this church, which it's like three levels at least. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Like, I can't even imagine the cardio that this man is getting. Mm-hmm. Um, In his polo shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get this. He's wearing his police uniform. So he's wearing, you know, the button up and the pants and the shoes. So he's not even wearing normal running shoes. He's wearing his hat, his um, his utility belt, for lack of a <laughs> It's totally what it is. It is. You know, with the... Uh, flashlight and the baton and all the other jazz like the handcuffs everything and then because it is nicholas angel you know he's wearing the bulletproof vest um so he's got a good amount of extra weight on him like a normal morning run for him must seem so nice and leisurely Mm -hmm. compared to having to run and all the running he's done since he's got to this town like it's just it's absolutely wild and so um basically he pulls the team into the church and is like hey tim messenger was just murdered you know we need to do this and frank goes are you are you saying what i think you're saying that this is a crime scene and he's like yep He's like, all right, you guys know what we got to do, and starts doling out jobs, basically, and tells Danny and Nicholas to just patrol, <laughs> patrol, keep an eye on everything. Um, and they get back to the station, and, you know, Nicholas is really starting to put this together. You know, I think the murders are connected, you know, and he's he's talking to... The Andes again, and, uh, you know, they were like, well, what is? what do you want us to do? Question the whole town. And he's like, well, yeah, you should do your job. You should investigate. And they're like, oh, I suppose we should start with Aaron Aronson. And basically just, you know, dicking around. Um and so, basically, I uh, I just put them down as lazy detectives. Um, and they're like, you know, if you want to go through every, you know, every uh, copy of the Sanford Citizen since Tim Messenger came into power, you know, you go right ahead. We're not going to do that. And so, um, you know, Danny and... Uh, Nicholas get into a fight that evening, and on Nicholas's day off, that's exactly what he does. 
he goes to the library and he goes through every single copy of the Sanford Citizen and he goes through and checking and checks, you know, the the spotlight, um, the neighborhood spotlight, the all of the um, typos that he had, uh, all the all the craziness. Um, and so, you know, he comes back in and the next day and uh, he goes up to Danny and is like, hey, you want to do some real police work? And so um, they're walking around the town having a conversation of how everything could be linked. And at the very end, Danny goes, so it could just be all a bunch of accidents. <laughs> Even though sure, Danny. The entire morning going over this. Um, and all of a sudden, Frank comes in and there's a fire in the firehouse. <laughs> oh, no. It's a cake. It's Danny's birthday. And, uh, and so, you know, um, Danny stays back to celebrate with the rest of the uh, department. And Nicholas runs off to see uh, Leslie Tiller. Uh, and just as she's closing up, he asks about a peace lily. Just mm. so sweet. And uh, as she um, is tying, is she is uh, tying it up. Nicholas notices that she's closing, like everything's got to go. She's closing down. So this whole conversation with Leslie Tiller um, basically lays it all out in all of this. Um, and so Leslie Tiller goes, you know, that fellow who blew up, you know, George Merchant. And she goes, well, George Merchant, God rest him, wanted to buy this land. So he sent round his legal fellow, Martin Blower, God rest him. I thought I'd take them up on it. I haven't really got that much family round here, save my cousin Sissy. So I thought I might take them up on the offer and move to Buford Abbey. Would you like a card with this? And Nicholas is just in awe. And he's like, no, sorry, you were talking about this offer? And she goes, well, it turns out that Martin Blower, God rest him, knew where the new bypass road is going because he was knocking off Eve Draper, from the, Eve Draper from the council, God rest her. And then that reporter, God rest him, finds out about the route, tells me that this very value, this land is very valuable. Ten times what George Merchant and Martin Blower, God rest them, offered me. So with them having passed on, I decided to sell it all myself to some folks from the city that Martin, George, and Eve, God rest a lot of them, have been talking to. Apparently, they want to build a big shopping center or something. Of course, Cousin Sissy won't be too happy about that, but as far as I can concern, Cousin Sissy can go foot. And Nicholas Angel goes, would you just excuse me for one second? <laughs> <laughs> and he rushes out to his car to uh, make Hello, a call. exposition. <laughs> <laughs> in time to completely miss the third murder of Miss Leslie Tiller who accidentally fell and landed on her shears uh, so brutal yeah. her throat basically um, and we get a really nice uh, blood squirt on that too and just across the windows and everything. I mean, whoever was in charge of the um, 
special effects makeup on this really did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, and so basically, um, Nicholas turns around, sees what's happening, and gives chase. He finally sees the person in the black robe doing all this, or at least has done this murder, and gives chase and chases them throughout the greenhouse and the backyard and at one point the uh the murderer runs through a glass window and like scrapes their leg and uh, just all sorts of crazy stuff and so um nicholas goes back to the uh the station and he's you know trying to run it down for the andes and um danny and you know he's going off and he's swearing and every time he swears nicholas or um danny tosses a coin in the swear box and uh every time one of the andes goes off uh the other andy tosses a coin in the coin in the swear box so you know nicholas is all worked up and he's he's swearing a little bit left and right and you know he he straight up says innocent people don't run sometimes they do but in this case i guess with his with his background uh he's seen that innocent people don't run um and he gets pulled into frank's office and frank is like you know there's there hasn't been a recorded murder here for 20 years reported like, mhm <laughs> You know, this is this is ridiculous. Why would people start murdering now? Like, these are all just accidents. You know, he, Nicholas starts putting it together, and he's like, I know who did this. And they march into the uh, supermarket's office to see Mr. Skinner. And goes through and connects all the dots to Mr. Skinner because he knows that he would lose a ton of money um, basically if this big shopping mall was uh, was erected and he goes through a whole entire um, well thought out presentation and in the end he pulls up Mr. Skinner's pant legs to find no wound Bum, bum, bum. Wah, wah. So, you know, he, uh, he's, uh, Nicholas sits there and goes through all the security tape he can. And Mr. Skinner has been there the entire day, has a complete alibi. Um, and, you know, uh, Mr. Skinner comes back to check on him and he just tells him he can jog on. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, uh, Danny and Nicholas are about to hit the shop. And, uh, you know, um, Nicholas asks Danny if he wants it, or Danny asks Nicholas if he wants anything and he says, Cornetto. There it is. Yep. And they go in, and the uh, the shop owner, who only accepts one child at a time in her store, 
says, uh, no luck catching them killers then. <laughs> and this, this starts echoing. And no luck catching them killers then. No luck catching them killers then. The, tw- the eye, you know, like his eyes twitching. Yep. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, there's something there. There's, yeah. there's just something there. And uh, we come back, and um, Danny and Nicholas are sitting in the car. And Nicholas just stops, and Danny goes, what? You got brain brain freeze? And Nicholas goes, I got brain wave. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, quick, we got to get back to the station. And Danny takes a big bite of ice cream, and he gets... <laughs> yeah. And just to point out here, so the flavor they have is the regular Cornetto, which is blue, which for this yes. movie is meant to be the men in blue, i.e. Uh, police. Yep. Uh, not just men, thank you. And it's the police service. You got to check you Nicholas know. Angel's uh, notes, you see. <laughs> or his, uh, his rule book. It's, it's official vocab guidelines. The police right. service, not the force. And they are police officers. Not men. Yep. She's not a policewoman. Yes, she is. I've seen her bra. You know, they they get back to the station and Frank is talking to Nicholas again. And he's like, this is the same thing Sergeant Popwell started saying. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, these are all accidents. That's all it is. You're looking way too much into this. Oh, okay. And that kind of kills his uh, momentum that he has going, you know. So Nicholas goes and takes a walk. Um, It's the end of the workday. He goes and takes a walk to kind of clear his head. And when he gets back to his hotel room, he finds his door open and gets attacked by a man in a black robe. Dun, dun, dun. And he starts fighting him. He puts he puts up a damn good fight, and uh, gets the hood off to reveal Michael the trolley boy or Lurch as we met him. Yarf. Yarf. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you know my my regular that guy. He was the hound on Game of Thrones, etc., etc., etc. So they they're going at it hardcore. Um, and he actually distracts Lurch with the cuddly monkey, and then he says, playtime's over, and hits him with the peace lily, which he he was saved. He was saved by his best friend, the peace lily, so that that works, and uh, he, he hears a voice, and he finds out Lurch has a talkie, and uh, he's like, you know, Michael. Is is Sergeant Angel down? Yeah, I love when I love when movies do their reveals like that. So good, yeah. And then uh, he said, and he's not a good, and uh, he's not going to get back up again. Uh, narp. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> and he just says narp. he's gonna. <laughs> I I. I still say that, like, if if I'm sick of saying no or I don't want anything as, like, mean as no as some people take it sometimes, I'm like, narp. 
Narp. <laughs> and he says, uh, oh, Danny runs into his hotel room and uh, he tells Danny to wait there and says, I'm going to bust this thing wide open. And Danny makes sure he has his notebook in his shirt pocket. Specifically, shirt pocket. And we'll check out on that. So, um, it was mentioned that Lurch should meet Mr. Skinner. Back at Whenever... the castle. Yeah? I was say, I always think of, uh, Skinner! Yeah, I want to start calling him Armin Tamsarian. <laughs> speaking I, of jump speaking of jump the shark that's where the simpsons jump the shark yeah a lot of people consider that as such but anyways yeah i just i just think of the girl in the office paging mr skinner yes mr <laughs> skinner <laughs> that's just every time i hear mr skinner i'm like mr skinner um, and so he heads up to the castle to find a round table outside this time, surrounded by people in black robes. And it's basically a cult. You know, they've all got walkies in front of them. And uh, they they start going over that um, the hotel uh, check-in, the hotel, the woman that owns the hotel, um, is basically going to find that Sergeant Ang- Angle Angel mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately slipped in the shower and broke his neck, but it's all for the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> and you know, um, Nick Nicholas makes his reveal then, and he goes over, and they they just revealed the real reasons for the deaths it had nothing to do with the bypass or the shopping mall or anything like that it was bad bad acting an awful laugh uh he had an odd house tabloid journalism and constant errors and miss tiller was moving away in other words small town pettiness yeah yep yeah they they couldn't have Leslie sharing her magic fingers with the Abbey. <laughs> it just absolute just ridiculousness. And uh we find out very soon how petty these people really are. Oh yeah. Buckets. Yeah. Um hot damn. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh you know Nicholas is like, this is, this is daft. This is so stupid. And uh, Frank comes out and he's part of it. Frank is a part of this whole cult, for lack of a better term. And uh, it's all started because yeah. of, because of his wife, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of his wife and, um, what was that story again, Chris? Oh man, if if I only remembered the whole thing, but she so his wife was um super into winning town of the year. Um and that's the big thing that's coming up. And so she put her whole life into it and um so much so that um the preparation for it or losing it, right, is what ended up she committed suicide because they lost 
because the town got overridden with human statues and dirty jugglers and hoodies. And gypsy scum. And gypsy scum. <laughs> That's right. Not not meaning an actual slur. I am going by what, what the movie line is. Yeah. Oh, um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's this whole thing um, that this group started. And, uh, you know, the next day, the... Um, oh, shoot. What was their name? The adjudicators of the uh town the town of the year awards were coming in and they wanted to make sure everything was perfect and there is nothing crazy or out of the ordinary or anything like that and so um michael winds up grabbing sergeant angel on one side and Danny comes up and grabs Sergeant Angel on the other. And it appears Danny is part of it. And he goes, Danny, no. Because, I mean, they're such good friends. He shouldn't be a part of it. Um, and so, you know, he uh, he grabs a knife and holds Danny at knife point. Basically threatens to slit his neck. And... Uh, they're like, you don't have the guts. And, I mean, he basically doesn't. You know, he, he can't do it. Danny didn't do anything wrong, per se. Um, and so... Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Mrs. Butterman was the head of the Women's Institute, chair of the Floral Committee. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the eve of the adjudicator's arrival, some travelers moved into Callahan Park. Before you could say gypsy scum, we were knee-deep in dog muck, thieving kids, and crusty jugglers. Crusty jugglers. We lost the title, and Irene lost her mind. She drove her Datsun Cherry into Sanford Gorge, and from that moment on, I swear I would do her proud. So that's that's how this whole cult started <laughs> it's like hashtag first world problems right <laughs> yeah like hashtag small town problems yeah like it just it was it's so ridiculous and so petty it's like oh my word um oh gosh there was a thing i was watching earlier and i was just like nope nope not getting into it way too petty i'm not dealing with this and I just, I turned it off. I'm like, can't do it. And so, uh, Nicholas takes off on a run, followed by these people in robes. And as he's running, at one point, the street gives out from under him. And he falls into this, um, sub-street tunnel. And into this, um, trailer, um, carriage. It's almost uh, like a catacomb thing, right? Like under the church. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a set of tunnels, but he falls into like uh like a carriage from like a Oregon Trail. Yeah. Um yeah, like a trailer. Um, but that's like led by a horse, not motorized. Right. Um, and so he he finds corpses basically as he goes throughout this tunnel. 
of uh, gypsy scum and crusty jugglers. And, and the as, kids who were drinking underage. Like, yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> I look, like, that, that, that part was really shocking to me. It's like they, it's like that's everywhere. It's so bleak. It's, it's everywhere. Like, it's like, God my God, damn. people. Well, that's the thing. As he's, you know, continuing down this tunnel, the corpses are getting newer. <laughs> and we see, you know, the body of the living statue. I loved that. still holding the pose. <laughs> and um, I, I would expect him to be out of rigor by then but you know i i don't know how long he's been down there and we find the bodies of the um the kids that were drinking at the pub and whatnot and just you know they're all just kind of killed and stuffed down there like it doesn't matter oh man i found the uh i found the um blurb about when they were doing the swear box. Um, I don't know. I would need two people to do it. It's it's really funny though. Um, <laughs> and eventually. He uh, finds his way out of the tunnel. And really realizes. How nuts. This. Town is. These founders are. And. Uh, it just. It's. It's. Insane. Like, that they would go to those lengths to have such a perfect town. And uh, he gets out of the tunnel, and he finds that he is surrounded by the Black Cloaks. And Danny comes up and stabs him. And we fade to black. Then, a few minutes later, we uh, we hear some noises and uh you know um nicholas wakes up and he's in a dark spot and he hears a door slamming and somebody walking and uh somebody opens a spot and we see danny and danny has basically saved Nicholas and he drove him to the outskirts of town and just said, you know, just go. Like this this isn't the place for you. Like just just go. Um and we find out that when he stabbed Nicholas, basically he stabbed him in the notebook. Yay notebook. And uh, used his catch-up trick. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was great that he saved him. Um, and, you know, Nicholas is trying to, you know, get it into his head that his dad is judge, jury, and executioner. And Danny won't believe it. And he says, my dad is not judge, Judy, and executioner. <laughs> Another one of my favorite <laughs> lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah and so um he just he's he tells you know nicholas to just go just just go just go back to london you know go be go be a big fish there and so uh 
And so Nicholas drives off in Danny's car and he makes a stop and um, the the uh, cashier says, oh, anything else? And he looks around and they've got a um, end cap of value action DVDs. <laughs> which are his inspiration. And he grabs some sunglasses and some spray paint, and he is on his way back to Sanford. And so, you know, he uh, he starts out. First thing in the morning, we see, um, I forget his name, but he's the farmer. And he's going out to, I want to say, check the mail. And he sees the car. And he goes, Danny? And uh, he realizes it's not Danny. And goes for his uh, walkie in the car. And Sergeant Angel floors it. Mm-hmm. And completely smashes his car. So that he's just left holding the head of the walkie. Basically. And, uh, hey, remember that checkoff moment when we talked about farmers having guns and mm-hmm. farmers having guns? As, as soon as he get the cha- gets the chance, this farmer yells for his mom. And she comes out with a, uh, a shotgun and tries to take a shot at Nicholas Angel, which is a big no-no. And he straight up comes up and kicks her right in the face. Like, no disarming, no being gentle, like he's done with everybody's shit. Mm -hmm. And so he gets them both down, he ties them both up, and uh, the farmer goes, what are you going to do, walk in and arrest the whole village? (laughs) And uh, the next shot we see is uh, Sergeant Angel walking into the police station and suiting up like usual. But then he takes a detour and goes to the evidence room and arms himself to the teeth. (laughs) And uh, he he goes back out, or he's walking back out, and the, uh, the receptionist guy... Um, basically says, oh, hey, London called for you. And he said, well, tell him I'm out. Yes. Yeah, and London has called a few times, apparently, for Mr. Angel, uh, Sergeant Angel. Um, And, uh, you know, as as Nicholas is walking out, he goes, I didn't know we had a Mountie division. And... uh, Come to find out that Nicholas, because the car was totaled and could not be driven, borrowed a horse from the farm. <laughs> so he's he rides into town on a white horse. He is the white knight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Basically coming in. Um, and he walks into the town square. And... Uh, <laughs> He uh he is getting off the horse and uh you can hear over the talkie somebody goes 
Oh, Sergeant Angel is back. Check out his horse. <laughs> <laughs> Along the same lines of check out his arse mm-hmm. from the beginning, where we checked off, where we check offed that, and it's just a big fucking showdown. Um, it, it's amazing how much the townspeople are packing. It's oh, great. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it it just shows he was right. You know, when he was profiling people, like with Mr. Treacher, why did he wear that puffy jacket? Because he's hiding shotguns in it, you know? And, um, you know, it's it's funny because, like, everybody hated the hoodies, but Sergeant Angel didn't, you know, pay them any mind. They didn't really do anything wrong but a little graffiti. And so he actually enlists the hoodies with spray paint to go through and spray paint the town's cameras. Yep. So that uh, the NWA, the curmudgeonly old man, can't, you know, alert people. Basically. Excuse me. And, uh... (laughs) And... He's basically going through and dueling with each of the citizens in their forms... Of chosen weaponry. Like, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so, like, you know, he squares off with a number of them with guns. Um, like, uh, the one on the bike, you know, just coming by and just has two handguns riding no-handed, you know, trying to shoot him. And here is where, you know, Danny comes into play because he sees... He sees that this is really wrong. And he opens his door and doors the woman on the bike. Like she she flips out of her bike completely. It's it's pretty dang hilarious. Um and uh he's going through and each each person is, you know, taking aim at him and there was a couple who got um matching shoulder shots which i thought was very nice of sergeant angel and um oh yeah the woman who owned the hotel got a uh, a planter to the head <laughs> and um there was a gentleman who came at sergeant angel with a sword so i think he fought him with a baton was it um something along those lines <laughs> <laughs> and once he bests him, the preacher comes out and has one of the best little speeches. Reverend Philip Shooter is his name. So good. <laughs> Walks out and says, stop, stop this, please. Let us stop this mindless violence. Nicholas, my son, you may not be a man of God, but surely you are a man of peace. And Nicholas goes, I may not be a man of God, Reverend, but I know right and I know wrong. And I have the good grace to know which is which. And the Reverend goes, oh, fuck off, Grasshopper. <laughs> and pops two, uh, two guns from his sleeves and shoots Nicholas. And, oh, oh my gosh, that's got to be the end of it, right? Nicholas got shot. Oh, it's the end. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's uh, he's wearing his bulletproof vest, like he's supposed to, and like he always has been. 
and uh and the uh doctor came up and has Danny and Nicholas at gunpoint and they said and he goes all right all right just hand it over nobody gets hurt and Danny tosses his other gun at it at his feet and it goes off and shoots his toe off <laughs> <laughs> Causing him to hop about and be incapacitated. And, you know, they, the guys stand up and uh, Nicholas goes, you're a doctor. And Danny goes, yeah, deal with it, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> and then they go pub, pub, and head to the pub to take out the uh, couple that owns it. With Mary, who's only 53, not 55. Um, and... Uh, when they go in, the uh, video game sound that I mentioned in The World's End, this is where we hear it. Um, and I, I could not recall where it was in Shaun of the Dead. Um, obviously, it's when they're in the Winchester, but I don't know where specifically. It was one of the the part where, like, it... Um like where it came on and then that then they rush to turn it off right yep 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 mm. yeah okay yeah just a something mm -hmm. like that um and so they have this shootout with the uh pub owners and they've got all this shit around kind of like another restaurant we've heard of mm. and um <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Nicholas makes a really good shot, and the uh, husband of the pair gets a bear trap to the head. Hell yeah, that was a wonderful um, yeah. straw dogs reference. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, cut his head off or anything, but he just, you know, it incapacitates him. And then um, I forget what happened to the wife. Something falls and hits her. Um Oh, but she goes, somebody call the police! And uh, Frank shows up in the pub. And, you know, um, this is Danny's time to shine. And he basically confronts his dad and tries to reason with him. Like, dad, this isn't right. You know, we we need to stop this. Like, this is insane. And, you know, Frank is like... Nope, we've worked way too hard for this, and fuck you, basically. Um, what I really love is as Frank is making his uh, exit, they put in this lion roar, <laughs> where where he's got like this like scowl on his face, and I just thought it was so funny. And so um, then they head off to the shop. And uh, the incompetent sergeant actually shows his worth. Before anybody can say anything, he comes with a whole list of what they should do and when. And Sergeant Angel just says what he said, you know. And uh, Sergeant Angel runs in and says, you know, I'm going to see if the trolley boy, I'm going to see if they're in. And he comes flying out of a glass window and he's like, they're in. And the rest of his team is giving them a, uh, giving him a just very quizzical look. And he goes, oh, trolley boy. 
<laughs> oh. And so while Sergeant Angel is dealing with the trolley boy, Michael slash Lurch, and having their uh, their rematch, as you will, um, the rest of the troop is trying to go against the butchers who have bulletproof glass yeah yeah in front of their meat case like that's that is absolutely wild like bulletproof glass really all right okay um <laughs> um and so they're trying to figure out how to get in and these these butchers are just throwing cutlery they're just like yeeting it like they've got this entire like cabinets upon cabinets of these butcher knives and cutlery and like honestly if you threw one of those correctly you could probably do some damage but they're just lobbing them out there like, <laughs> I was going to say they don't throw them correctly no, no. <laughs> they're, just, they're lobbing them out there and just seeing what can happen and anyway the rest of the officers are just shooting into this bulletproof class and it's like you're you're just wasting ammo guys like just stop <laughs> and um they finally uh sergeant angel takes down lurch and gets him in the uh freezer so that he can cool off and uh they get the idea to put the carts together and ram the butcher's area with them and finally gets them taken care of and all of a sudden around the corner comes the um stock girl slash table dancer i i don't <laughs> i don't remember her name but she is wielding an emery board like a nail file a pointy nail file that is her weapon of choice <sighs> Okay, you know, all right. But she comes running around, and in a stroke of pure genius, the policewoman grabs the wet floor sign and smacks her right in the face and knocks her on her ass. <laughs> and turns around and goes, Oh, nothing like a bit of girl on girl, eh? <laughs> Which, I thought it was funny. You know, I I thought that line was funny. You know, I no, it, it was. I, it I is. Movie's funny. I love this movie, and I know it's late. I know we're tired, and I'm trying to get to it. Um, <laughs> so you know, they they go to the back room to go after Mister Skinner, and he's already outside the building, jumping into a car. And taking off. And I actually didn't realize. Because huh, us yanks over here. When we drive. The steering wheel's on the left hand side. And he gets in the left hand side of the car. And. It just. It did not click in my head. That he's not driving the car. Right. Um, and we find out that he is with Frank. Frank basically came by and scooped him up. And they're off driving. And uh, Nick and Danny, you know, make a jump from the second floor, which is definitely one of the most courageous things that Danny has ever done. 
mm-hmm. and uh, basically goes on this car chase. And they do a turn. Um, well, as Frank and Mr. Skinner are coming up the road, they see that there's a swan in the middle of the road and they're forced yes. to turn. <laughs> and Nicholas and Danny are right behind them and they see the swan and they stop for a moment. And they're like, all right, grabbing the swan. They grab the <laughs> swan, toss it in the back seat and head after uh, Mr. Skinner and Frank. And um, and so, you know, they, they uh, pull the car over and Sergeant Angel meets Mr. Skinner in the middle of the model village. <laughs> this, this is one of my favorite parts of the entire yeah, film. Yeah. This has to be so perfect that they have a model village. Like down to the little trucks and everything. Like if they couldn't get more ridiculous, it just did. Um and they they talk about it a few times throughout the movie but this is the first time we actually see it and Mr. Skinner grabs a little boy that was the walking ginger boy <laughs> oh yeah, god yeah around, uh, the model village and says you know if you take one more step the ginger nut gets it <laughs> and this kid being the smart kid he is takes a big old bite into Mr. Skinner's hand. Yes. And he drops him and he runs off. And uh, so, you know, they're able to, you know, get into their fight. And uh, Mr. Skinner uh, says, you know, get out of my town. And uh, Sergeant Angel says, it's not your town anymore. And uh, gets pushed back. And Mr. Skinner comes running along and accidentally steps on one of those perfect little grocery delivery trucks (laughs) and flies through the air with the greatest of ease and impales his jaw on the point of one of the tall towers. But misses, luckily, perhaps, or not, uh, any major veins or it's jugulars. so funny. Ow. This and, uh, really hurts. Put some yeah. ice on it. Oh, that wasn't... Um, so, he was flying through the air, he was yelling, and he gets his lower jaw impaled on this piece. And, you know, we, we don't quite see that. Um, we just think you know, he he landed and he's he's dead. You know, he's done. And all of a sudden we hear a oh <laughs> and as they said, you know, this really hurts. I'm going to need some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I love how deranged this whole town is. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so not so like it it kind of reminded me a bit of a drop dead gorgeous actually yeah 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 
you know, with with everything having to be perfect, mm-hmm. like I've I've thought about you know living in you know a nice little small town like that, especially after seeing like the holiday and stuff like that. But I don't oh, want to live in this town. Mm-mm. I love the holiday. Mm-hmm. Isn't it so good? Yeah, no, I don't want to live in this town. Um, <laughs> but what about the greater good? The greater good. <laughs> um. And so the uh, actually, as Mr. Skinner gets impaled, um, Nicholas, always being the do-gooder, puts his hand in front of the boy's face so he doesn't actually see the whole thing. And, uh, you know, he turns to the kid and he goes, hey, you did a great job back there. What's your name? And the little boy goes, Aaron I. Aronson. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> So it's it's just kind of a little, you know, funny nod back to, oh, you want us to go through the whole phone book? Well, yeah. And then, you know, Aaron Aronson is just this, you know, eight-year-old redheaded boy off on his who own. Wouldn't, who wouldn't be listed in the phone book anyways. It's perfect. Uh... Well, yeah, but that's kind of the joke is that, I know. you know, this Aaron Aronson, this child. But because his name is Aaron Aronson, he would be first. Mm-hmm. Um, the town of coincidences. Yeah, and just when you thought it was safe, there's still Frank. And, uh, you know, Frank, he he kind of stands up, and he's like, this is never going to end. And uh, Nicholas goes, uh, pack it in, Frank, you silly bastard! <laughs> and Frank runs off, and gets into the police cruiser and starts to drive off. And all of a sudden, there's a from the back seat, and there's a swan who I assume bites him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As they mentioned earlier. Yeah, those those guys are mean. Um, Mm-hmm. But bites him, and he runs the car headfirst into a tree. And uh, then we have a uh, lovely helicopter flyover a la Bad Boys. Yep. Because this is a um, this is a action parody movie. So after everything kind of calms down, we see. You know, the the three bosses from London from before, they came all the way out to Stanford to tell Nicholas that uh, their numbers have gone a bit uh, squiffy and they need him back. And, you know, Nicholas says, I kind of like it out here. And uh, what I what I really liked about that entire showdown action sequence whole thing nobody was killed yeah no yeah like sergeant angel wasn't out to kill anybody he just wanted to right the wrongs Mm -hmm. you know and so it it was really great and so um we get back to the station and everybody's sitting down you know filling out paperwork and this is probably the most paperwork any of those guys have done ever Probably the most work, period, any of them have ever done. True. But it's probably the most action they've seen. But, 
Yeah. <laughs> so much paperwork. And it it was so fun to see the quick action um uh mug shots of everybody oh, yeah. and how like the guy still had the bear trap on his head and you know <laughs> the the hotel woman had a big neck brace and it just it was fun. It was fun to see all yeah. of them. And so as they're sitting there, um Uh, oh yeah, they, uh, they talk about the police force and Danny comes in and says, um, they're not supposed to use force as it's too, uh, too mean, too forceful. I don't, I don't remember the exact, uh, wording. Um, but you know, Nicholas actually makes the joke like, oh, you know, she wouldn't mind a bit of force. And she's like, you know, dirty monkey. and all of a sudden we hear some footsteps and the old curmudgeonly guy uh, just when you thought it was safe to do your paperwork the old curmudgeonly NWA guy comes out of his office with what was it a musket like yeah basically yeah like this old ass gun like had to be from like the wall in his office or something i don't mm-hmm. know but at the end it had like the turned out like bell at oh the yeah end. <laughs> like, this this gun is so old i swear he had to pack it himself but he's coming out and he's like you bloody busybody and goes to shoot Nicholas Angel because he is the root of all these problems, you know, because everything would be perfect without him. And Danny risks himself and jumps in front of the bullet Mm -hmm. and takes it for Nicholas. And then Nicholas, with all of the knowledge he has gained in being in Sanford, uh, gets the garbage bin on his foot kicks it straight into the curmudgeonly guy's face, knocking him backwards. He goes staggering into the evidence room and lands on his butt right next to the sea mine, which pushes in one of these spikes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he said, oh shit, or oh fuck, or something like that. Either way, it's a swear word and we're all adults. Um, And there's a huge explosion. Paper everywhere. Um, The porcupine did survive. uh, So we we are very thankful for that. Mr. Porcupine survived. And, um, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, or Nicholas was over Danny just saying, hang on, you know, help is coming. You know, just, just hang on. And, uh, so fade to black, and the next scene opens up, and Nicholas is walking up to a grave. And he's got a bunch of flowers, and he's going to pay his respects. And uh, he he stands at the grave, and he says, I hope these are all right. And then Danny says, they're perfect. Mum would have loved them. I loved that reveal. It's yes. so good. So well done. Yes. Danny's okay. It was Mum's grave. Like, 
um, you know, we see that uh, Sergeant Angel is now moved into his own little house. He doesn't have to deal with the hotel anymore. And um, so Danny and the Sergeant and Sergeant Angel uh, are in their car uh, off to another day of work. And uh, they hear over the radio, uh, any officers near the church? And Nicholas says, go ahead, Doris. And uh, police constable uh, Doris says, chief, which means he got promoted to chief. Cool. Awesome. Uh, we've just gotten reports of some hippie type messing with the recycling bins at the supermarket. <laughs> hippie type. <laughs> yep. And Nicholas Angel says, leave it with us. And she goes, righto. And Nicholas turns to Danny and goes, Sergeant Butterman, the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. <laughs> and Danny puts on his aviators and says, bring the noise. And uh, whips the car around, hits the siren, and floors it to the supermarket. And that is the end of the movie. And I love this movie so much. And yes, I know I went into great detail, but I love it so much. And I hope you enjoyed it as well as I did in retelling it. That was super enjoyable. I love that it's, flick. It's <laughs> great when people are just passionate about things they love. Yeah, it, I mean, it so is. I love it so much. I'm going. I so I watched it last week, and I'm going to watch it in the theater this week. Like, I, I think that's so awesome too. I would love to see this in the theater again. I remember, I I saw it opening weekend with a couple of friends from school, and they snuck in a six pack of beer <laughs> in there in, in in the pocketbook, and I was their RA. So it was like kind of like, eh, Michael. Uh, I was like, yeah, fuck it. We all just drank. <laughs> it was. It was. Awesome. I was freshman year. I was. Uh, I was uh, provided. Some of us were provided alcohol by one of our RAs. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I don't think I saw this in the theaters the first time it came out. Um, I know when The World's End was coming out, they did a... Um... Or did they do the Cornetto triple feature? They did. They did a oh. triple feature. And I couldn't find anyone to go with me. So I was the only one... Well, I can't say I was the only one who went by myself. But I went alone. I enjoyed it. You know, mm -hmm. I did my own thing. And it was great. And I still love this movie. This is definitely my favorite out of the three. That's awesome. I uh, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned my that person earlier, but going back to watch this movie with you guys um, made me realize that I had forgotten Martin Freeman was in this one. And when I saw this movie the first time, I didn't know who Martin Freeman was. It, mm -hmm. it you know, it was kind of between this and um, the world's end where I'd gotten like acquainted with him. Mm -hmm. So I put him on here as my, that person, even though, you know, he's just in there at the beginning. And then again, at the end, it's just always so great to see him. Mm -hmm. And, and now I recognize him whenever he shows up and I can't believe how many things he's shown up in. Oh, you know, he, he's blown up since. <laughs> yeah. Movies, yeah. It's wonderful. And then my MVP is actually Timothy Dalton as Simon Skinner, because yeah. he is so over the top and he's normally the character that they'd have be the red herring that would have nothing to do with it, which is why I loved that. No, no, <laughs> he was just that blatantly terrible at being like all of the one liners of he'll be in bits in the morning. And, right. you know, <laughs> he'll, next time you see him, he'll be dead. You know? And they were like, they were like, you know, 
poking fun that like they were going to go there and then it's awesome and did, i love yeah. love love the photo of him making the same face in his office that he's always making yeah. it's another brilliant bit um i don't know if, if you two are as as aware of timothy dalton but he's another actor who's in everything i was gonna uh, say i thought someone would bring him up as they're that person but he's he's actually my mvp because he's just mm-hmm. he, i mean ever this whole town is the mvp but just it's something about his performance it should be over the top and take, it should be too whimsical for the movie, you know, but it's mm-hmm. not, but it's no, not. no, 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 no. And, uh, I didn't realize he's, he's on doom patrol, which I haven't seen yet. The DC, um, like, yeah, basically, I didn't know that. Um, but God, the guy's done everything. One of my favorite recent roles of his is Mr. Prickle pants in toy story four. <laughs> he, he was just, oh. oh yeah, that was him. Oh. I didn't know that was him. Like that is one of my favorite characters out of yep. the Toy Story universe. I love it. But but going going way way back, um, he was uh, a James Bond. Yep. Oh wow! So, for two movies, and yep. it was only because um, Pierce Brosnan was like committed to a TV show and couldn't do it. Right. Huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Couldn't yep. do it at the time. I should say he beat out a uh, Sam Neill for the part. Evidently. Which would have been an interesting choice. Yeah. I, I've always said that if they – Sam Neill, even though, you know, they basically were intentionally doing the Indiana Jones-looking thing with him in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Um, it would have been cool if, if they ever needed someone else to take on the torch from that. I could see him being a really good Indiana Jones, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. And and I believe – did you both – and you definitely both mentioned you're that person. Did either of you give your MVPs? Uh, for me, mine would be uh, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, yeah. that he he had just he's someone who just has fun with life. But when when things needed to be serious, he was he stepped his game up, but still, you know, never stopped, um, you know, being fun. And he just he just he, he he's he's my kind of people, Danny. OK. Yeah, he's such a real character in this. Yes. And again, like like we said, talking about Shaun of the Dead, there's Nick Frost easily could just play the bumbling fat guy in every role that he's in, and they yeah. they play they play mm-hmm. with that because he's good at being that character, but mm-hmm. he's he's very three dimensional in both of these movies. Well, and again, how we talked about it before, I really loved that they switched roles for yeah. the world's end. Oh yeah. No. So. Yeah. Um, I had not mentioned my MVP. I'm actually going to go with somebody who was in and out of the entire film and, um, definitely played their role very well and wound up being the hero mostly. And I have to mention my MVP is Elvis the Swan. Yes. Woo. Right. Yep. Public enemy and, number uh, one's on the feed today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, Frank would have gotten away if it weren't for uh-huh. Elvis. Right. Um, and actually, it looks like Elvis did this movie, Hot Fuzz, and he was born or he uh, he did a movie called Born Equal a year before. Oh, <laughs> wow. He's getting around. Yeah. So I think, you know, my MVP is Elvis the Swan. That's fantastic. That's great. And, uh, you know, since we are talking about an Edgar Wright movie, we almost don't have to mention this. But how did this fare with the critics, Stefan? Yeah. So uh, 
very close uh, with Shaun of the Dead. It has a 91% critical score and 89% audience score. So again, they're very close, not just to Shaun of the Dead, but the critical and audience scores overall for everything are just very close. Yeah, people love Edgar Wright. I mean, the the guy's just a crowd pleaser. He makes, I mean, this movie, neither of these movies should have had big audiences if a regular studio tried to shell them out there. But the the way they advertised both of these and the Mm -hmm. way the word of mouth went, people just ate them up. Yeah. I mean, I I only saw this movie um, because I loved Shaun of the Dead so much. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll watch this. It looks like Shaun of the Dead, but with... Uh, buddy cop movies cool and i loved the way they advertised this from two guys or from three guys who saw every action movie ever made and also <laughs> made Shaun of the dead <laughs> sold so it's it's funny that you say so many people love edgar wright um with our twitter poll yes i think this is the most votes we have gotten yeah, and it, it is exploded, and people got like combative about it too. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't really read any of the comments, um, but I uh, I can definitely see here that Hot Fuzz was the favorite at fifty nine percent, with Shaun of the Dead coming in at forty one percent. But we had a total of. 39 votes. Woo! Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you so much. We love to see all of these votes. We love to hear and, you know, see, you know, what movies you guys prefer. Um, And as as I've said, Hot Fuzz is my preference. I love this movie. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. And you guys just solidified it for me. This is really fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So, so we know where Jess stands on these two movies. Um, Stefan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, was a hard decision. Like I said, I hadn't uh, seen Hot Fuzz in years. Didn't remember much about it, and but I remember really liking it. And that did not change when I saw it. Um, I, I will say, I, I thought the end. I thought the end maybe ran slightly too long, but just by like you know a few minutes, but whatever um perfect i uh i I will say i prefer shawn of the dead probably but i'm biased i know because uh i I love zombie movies so i was always going to wait how are we friends if you love zombie (laughs) movies and i'm not into zombies like how does this work there's lots of other genres (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I, I still, as of talking right now, am flip flopping, flip flopping, flip flopping, flip flopping, um, and, and it's because both of these movies are so damn great. Um, with with Hot Fuzz, it it's amazing to see a, a director who, out of the gate, was just making such perfect genre films. Like Shaun of the yeah. Dead is, is expertly crafted, right? But it's a, but it's a low budget indie movie, and then he jumps to this and it's just like, wow, you have honed your craft like in two films. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just wonderful, but yeah, I've just got this soft spot for zombie movies. So like maybe by a 0.001%, I teeter Shaun of the dead. Like if you put them in front of me, what, one am I going to turn on? Oh. Maybe, 
maybe five, six times out of ten, it's Shaun of the Dead. I don't know. But it's so damn hard to pick because they're both perfect films. I love them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Hot, no. Hot Fuzz is a phenomenal film. I wanted to point out that the trivia section on IMDb for Hot Fuzz has 160 entries. Wow. I saw that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to comb through all of them. The, the other thing, the other thing I will say, just as a film and on an ambition level, right? Like, Shaun of the Dead is a celebration of George Romero zombie movies. Like, that's mm-hmm. what that movie is. Hot Fuzz, you know, it's kind of like when people talk about, you know, the difference between Get Out and Us, and how with Get Out it was a very focused movie, and then Jordan Peele with Us went for much broader, much like farther reaching thing, and I love that for it. Hot Fuzz is taking on the entire genre of action films. Yeah. And and to do that and then go not only that, but through the visor, through the eyes of British guys, which they're it's so it's it, it they're technically foreigners, quote unquote, looking in on American buddy cop movies. They're not talking about things that are wholeheartedly British, but this is taking place in the British countryside. So it's a very interesting amalgam of things. And and I just love that about every movie Wright has made is he's always trying to um, challenge himself. There's not, you know, the world's end is a much higher concept mm-hmm. you know, thing than, than these two were. It doesn't yeah. work as well. I mean, we could argue that's not what this episode is about, but He's just always doing something different. And I, I was it you, Stefan, that shared his next one is like a horror flick? Uh, was that Wright's next movie? I might have. Was it? I don't remember. Um, yeah, it, you shared it with us. I didn't get a chance. Yeah. To. What is it called? It's um Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah with uh, Anya Taylor, Joy. Yeah. Upcoming psychological horror film. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to see those action cuts again. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, and you know, you can you can see a lot of uh uh with hot fuzz, you can see how a lot of it is very much a prelude to the world's end. Like I noticed a lot of similarities. Absolutely. Yeah. Well yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. So yeah, it uh yeah, I think the social media poll definitely teeters it in the direction of hot fuzz, but mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. such a it's such a down the line on both of these, and I think this was a great choice. Um, yeah. So with that, Jess, tell folks where they can find us and support us. Oh goodness, I'm actually going to go down the whole line. Um, you can get a hold of us if you just want to drop a line and say hi at fightingfilmspod at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter at Fighting Films Podcast or with the little at symbol Films Fighting, um, where we do post our weekly poll every Monday, whether it be 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, We have Facebook. uh, We have a Facebook page with Fighting Films Podcast that you can message. Uh, We do have an Instagram um, our name on there is Fighting Films Pod, I believe, where um, since I'm the social media guru, I 
do all of the stuff here. So um, if you wanted to talk to me, that's the best way to do it. Otherwise, if you want to get a message to the guys, I can do that just as well. Um, and we are on Patreon. So if if you enjoy our show, you know, maybe maybe want a little bit more, maybe found some extra change in your couch. We do have a $1 per month tier, and that is the featherweight. And you do get um, early access. No, you just get uh, new content. Um, we do release shows with extra content where we're either talking about our day and how tired we are, or we're talking about you know, what's going on out in the world, like uh, the Dante Wright situation that happened in Minneapolis not long ago. Um, but that is just $1 per month. That is our featherweight tier. Our next one for $5 a month, maybe you like us a little more and you want to become a lightweight. You do get that extra content for in an ad-free show. You do get early access to the show. We do try to put them up on Tuesdays, but life does happen. And you do get a Patreon shout-out. So, hi, um, Karen and Brant. Thank you so much for being patrons of our lovely little show. And then for $10 a month, if you really love us and want to support us, you will get that patron-only behind-the-scenes content with an ad-free show. You do get the early access. You do get a patron shout out thank you so much and you do get one episode theme choice so you pick the theme we pick the movies and we talk about it and you get our undying love always and forever darlings we love you love it, we love love it. You. awesome well thank you everyone for listening we obviously loved both of these movies the same way we love our patrons because we definitely had a lot to say yeah well this has been stefan and this is jess and this has been chris until next time let's keep those films fighting bye everybody bye bye